Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. Welcome to episode 37 of Beer Another Shit Podcast, Adjunct Series, Quarantine Edition. This evening. This is, I realized this earlier, this is the first brewery from Quebec City we've ever had on the podcast, which is exciting. I didn't realize that. Very cool. Um, you guys, if you're following us, you would have seen a lot of content about these guys. These guys are one of my favorite discovery, even though, I was about to say, discoveries of 2020. They've been around for seven years, but to be honest, this is the first year I really got into their stuff, and it is out of control. Um, I'm going to bring them right on in. We have Max and Pierre Hugo of Brasserie Generale, and of course, Noah of Beerism, co-hosting with me. What's good, Ab? Put the applause. You guys can't hear it, but I got applause going. Yeah. How you guys doing? Hello, guys. What's going on? Everyone good? It's our, it's our second anniversary. So this is why we are here right now. Happy anniversary. Yes. Second yeah. anniversary of the brew pub, correct? As opposed to the... Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I love it. That's amazing. Congrats, guys. How did the... Uh, you guys had a bottle launch today. How did that all go? Yeah, how'd it go? Uh, I think it's it going went on. pretty well, but um, nice. you know, the past few minutes we we were busy trying to you know get our mics on and uh, make this <laughs> make make it sound right. So uh, we kind of lost lost track of time, but you know it it went really well. Good. We almost sold out on the smoothie one and the past three. So I think nice. It's going pretty well. Not surprised. Not surprised. Um, man, we got a good one tonight. So we're gonna uh, definitely get into all the stuff about you guys, how you came about, what's going on. I, and I, when I realized that we never had a Quebec City brewery, I'm like, shit, that's, that's awesome. So maybe we could touch on a bit of the, the scene out there. We got to meet, I got, didn't get to meet you, Pierre, but I got to meet up with Max at the brewery, at the brew pub, sorry, in, I think it was August, late August. So the whole region blew my mind. It was incredible. So I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, to really hear more about it and to let you guys tell the story too. So before we do it, obviously, we're going to need to crack a gosh darn beer. So we're going to start, you know what, the average people would start on a, you know, a fire, a lager, or something that's like light and easy. We're like, fuck that. We're going to triple IPA off the bat. We don't care. <laughs> Bam. This is how it's don't done. Go. Boom. Um, tell us about this beer, guys. This one's got uh, yeah. Cryo Citra and Cryo Equina. Nice. 10% because that's how we do Oh, Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is our first official release of an, a, a triple IP. Okay. Uh, we have a a, a, a small batch we brewed, but we were satisfied, so we just did some time in it to get another run at it. So this is uh, the one that turned out pretty well. So it's a ten percent uh, triple IP. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna let Max talk about it. He's, uh, he's gonna be the one that brewed it. Okay. So uh, basically, it's our uh, second try on the interlude recipe. Um, uh, the first time, you know, it was more like a, like sugary and, you know, the, the aromas were really, really good, but, you know, um, with triple IP often, you know, when you, you're trying to, to put like 10% alcohol and, uh, that kind of stuff, you know, uh, the yeast can come like a bit lazy. Yeah. Uh, so this one, this version is the second version is right on point. Seriously. Uh, on on bitterness level, on the alcohol, on the on the residual sugar, uh, on hop aromas. So I'm kind of really happy to enjoy it. 
Love it. And uh, and you know the the uh, the design is just I just you know I'm just in love with with the design you know the yeah, the, the label yeah because it was made uh, it's Romain Lassaire a guy that we we are working with for the past few months and we're just getting you know on the same uh, the same zone and this one is kind of freaking awesome I love it <laughs> got to get the flick because I haven't had this. Well, that's well, he has these know. characters that have these fruit heads, and it's kind of consistent across all your IPAs now. It's cool. Yeah. That's a great yeah. point. Uh, yeah, this uh, was born with the uh, I Like Big Ups stew uh, that we brewed uh, back this summer, I think. Yes. Uh, and uh, we just loved it so much, we decided to keep going at it, and just ended up in the whole uh, Everbird series. And uh, now we've got the, uh, the Interlude, and yes. uh, one more coming in January. Okay. Uh, from this series, from the Interlude series. Yeah, uh, basically the, the uh, interlude is the name is about you know um, uh, making a pause of uh, the, the Reverber series, so it's kind of um, you know uh, freezing in the time. So that was the the you know the um, the idea behind the name and the label. So so Romain just made like a big pop cycle, you know, yeah. just like freezing in the time with the fruity, you know. Um, you know the people with fruit heads. So kind of, this is the concept. Yeah. What do you call these in Australia? There, near Craig. Icy it's poles. An ice pole. Icy pole. It's an icy pole, guys. That's what they call them. Everything's what? an icy pole, apparently. Yes, it is. What is it in? <laughs> um, right, it does. Right. It's a little. It's a little strange. I do. I just like definitely see it as weird. So here, what is it? It's a popsicle or a freezy? Is it different in Quebec? Is yeah, it a popsicle? Okay, even in, in French, or is there like a French name for it? Uh, yeah, popsicle in French. Okay, lazy, yeah, but I, I respect it. That, but that's how you call it here. Okay. Yeah, I think the brand. Yeah. The brand, okay. <laughs> so, like, no one made a good point, because the more IPAs I've had from you guys, I've probably had like half a dozen at this point, and they definitely have a, a, a very, this characteristic that's carried across. Like, what are you doing to, to keep that consistency to the point where no one was even able to guess this be not this one, the river beer number two, like completely blind, which was is pretty crazy. Which means you guys have really made a signature sort of nose and a signature flavor profile, which is very, very cool in a short time. Yeah, I guess it uh, amounts to the, uh, the how we work with the ups and the fermentation. Okay. Um, we use a, a whole range of ups, uh, mostly uh, US varieties right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I we get this strong ripe fruit. Uh, yeah, coming true. Uh, I guess it's probably how we handle the whole uh, dry hopping during fermentation process. We we like to keep it before the end of the fermentation to make sure we don't get any uh, oxygen in the beer. Mm-hmm. Get to keep all the flavors fresh in it. And the, uh, this is great, by the way. Um, yeah, really and the, like that it. sweetness, the sweetness that you were talking about, um, is nice. Like um, in Reverber. Uh, Two, I think you even you were saying Max that it was a bit sweeter than you wanted it to be. Um, whereas in this this definitely has a certain amount of sweetness to it, but it's a little bit scaled back, and that 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 little bit of ten percent ethanol thing cuts through the, those sugars perfectly. So you, it's it's just kind of it's nicely round and um, and it's not too it's not green at all, and it's not no. too sharp. It's pretty uh, just rich and and bright. But not like, 
over the top either. It's it's really nice. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, with triple IPAs, it's uh, it's difficult. You know, to have higher alcohol, uh, yeah. the, the right amount of sugar and the right amount of you know aromas. Uh, so it's just find find the best balance between all those those specs. Uh, you know, um, we, we knew that you know with the, the Reverber too, we were a little bit too sweet. So we just kind of learned from that and tried to uh, different things to, to arrive at this point. Um, you, you guys were talking about this here. Uh, we, we play a lot with our you know mineral profile. Uh, so depending on which kind of beer we're brewing, we just kind of play. It's kind of it's kind of a, a playground. So if you, we want it sweeter, if Sharper, so, uh, it's kind of another dimension that we use. So maybe the thing is about you know the the mineral profile. Could be yeah. Okay, no, that's dope. I love it. I like. I love that you've been able to do this. Like, how long have you had this consistent profile with the IPAs? Because I know I, my understanding is this year a lot of things have changed into this kind of uh, direction. Actually, yeah. We, Oh, I started with uh, Brew Pub. Uh, we we got this place open in uh, this December in 2018. Okay. <clears throat> so we wanted a, run a playground to be able to try stuff uh, with more freedom. Okay. Because uh, in the factory uh, we have in, in up uh, north of the town, it's a bigger size. So it's, uh, there's less uh, uh, leeway for us to try new things uh, without big incidences. So that's where we've always been. Uh, <clears throat> always been kind of shy on the IPAs for one of these reasons. So when we got the group of open, Max uh, came in and then we just started coming at it really hard. Uh, so that's when the, the River Series was born. Mm. Uh, be, it took some time until we got satisfied with the first results. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much uh, where it all started. Okay. Before that, did you you had uh, Izzy on the market a few years ago, right? I guess that that's that was was that the closest thing you had to. I mean, it was a, a, a New England style IPA, was it not? Or it was a lower ABV though. I think it was five percent yeah. or five five or something. Yeah, I called the session. Um, right. <clears throat> so it was it was definitely a New England style IPA. Uh, we definitely did not have the, uh, the same techniques we do now, so it was more uh, upturned uh, in the flavors. We had much more contact time on the dry ups and things like that. So one of the things we changed in, the, in this year is that we, we keep the, the contact time on the hops so short, just enough to get the flavors in, and then we just dump it out of the beer so you don't get all, any of the harshness into it. Mm. It's a big factor. Right. Well, do you want to maybe take us back to um, where it all started? Like, how did both of you guys get into beer? And then how did the the brewery come about? Because I know, like, Max, you came in a little after and stuff. And just before you say, it's Martin Tremblay says, hello, my friends. Cheers. G'day, Martin. What up, bro? Cheers. Love it. Hey, Martin. Um, Martin is actually uh, one of the SSCs uh, with us. Oh, nice. Ah, cool. Cheers, bro. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, give us give us that backstory, guys. I want to hear. I want to know what's up. So you want to start, Mark? So I, I do. Uh, okay, I think you can do. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so polite. Uh, yeah, we started brewing. Uh, yeah, like back in, 
long time ago, it was uh, like uh, many brewers. We, I started with really the small kits you get in the in the cans. Just uh, we call the first one that we made with my friend. Uh, uh, back in the time, it was a craft dinner because all you did was <laughs> add water. <laughs> so that was the first one, and That's good. It took maybe yeah. a year till I got into the uh, grain brewing, the the the, the classic Galway brew beer. Uh, then I I moved to Quebec City about 11 years ago, <clears throat> and then after a year or two, I got to work at the La Barberie, which I think you went to. I did, uh, yes. Craig. Yes, yes. Yeah. So. Then maybe two years over there. Nice. I didn't know that. And then uh, I left uh, to open uh, General Brewery, the first, uh, the, the first factory that's uh, north of town. Okay. And that was seven years ago, right? It, it was okay. Yeah. In 2013, yeah. 2013. Hence the anniversary beers you guys dropped recently, which uh, were insane. Um, one of them we're about to have tonight as well, which I'm excited because I haven't tried that yet. Um, okay, and then Max. So then you were running from uh, out of the 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 bigger brewery, like production brewery, is about twenty minutes north of Quebec City of the city, and that's what you were sort of pumping now. And then two years ago, like you were saying, this one, which is in Limoilou, um, uh, the hipster area that I discovered there, super sick, um, and the place is beautiful. It's small, but it's like it's cozy. I didn't get to eat. Um, that was my one main regret about Quebec City is I didn't get to eat there because when we were leaving, Max and Sam were having lunch and they were bringing the food out. We're like, fuck, man, this is insane. Like this fried chicken and stuff. I was like, it was crazy. I'm very, very impressed. So how, like, so I mean, it started from that. Why did you decide to to open the brew pub side of things and not maybe, I know you got a tasting room at the um, the other facility. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe what been two years, I think. Two years there. Okay, cool. So, why did you guys decide to branch out and then open a uh, a different spot? Uh, as I said earlier, mainly because we wanted to have a, a more closer contact uh, with uh, our clientele, our customers, because yeah. we don't get that uh, up at the factory, and also because we wanted a small kit to brew it, and uh, it's a three hundred liter we have here, so it's very. It's perfect for our size. We can make enough beer to get a sense of what's going to happen with it uh, in terms of, uh, of evolution and stuff. So uh, Max joined the uh, joined the, the brewery, General Brewery, when uh, we opened the brew pub. We've been a long time friends, maybe like not long after I started working at La Barberie. Uh, I met him. He was working at maybe uh, <clears throat> Max from here and speak about his his, uh, his history. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I met Hugo at the Barbary because, you know, I was doing uh, like a scholarship, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to call it in English, but, you know, uh, at the at the end of your scholarship, you have to do some work oh, some, at some place. A workplace. A stage. A stage, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, stage, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I met Hugo uh, there at the, 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 at the Barbary, but before that, you know, uh, I was in Chicoutimi, uh, in, in Lac Saint-Jean, and, you know, uh, I was always, uh, I always wanted to be a brewer, so at like 17 years old, I just decided, okay, uh, I want to be a brewer, so it seems to be cool, and I want to do that stuff. So 17? Yes. <laughs> so basically, just Crazy. choose everything uh, to get to that point, and so I just studied in dietetic in, in Chicoutimi, and it you know, it gave me the opportunity to do a, a stage in uh, in uh, in Quebec City at La Barberie. So, with the stage, you know, it just 
uh, opened up for me, you know, um, when I came back to, to Quebec City a couple years later. And uh, this is where I began to work at the Micro de Beaupré. It's kind of, a, you know, a small group of, uh, with Luc Boivin, you know, uh, an, ex, uh, an ex-owner of uh, Dieu Ciel. Okay. I just want to, uh, to uh, you know, to, to brew and you know, to do some uh, some sports at the Mont Saint Anne, and so he just decided with uh, with John, uh, his um, you know his girlfriend, to to move to Saint Anne de Beaupré and open up the Micro de Beaupré. Wow. So I just worked there for the past five years almost before joining for uh, BG uh, BG 18 which is uh, my project now. And after that, you know, uh, uh, I'm now uh, one of the owner of uh, BG uh, globally. So this is it. Amazing. I love that. Were like- you around when uh, Ruiz uh, um, dropped that double IPA? <laughs> no, no, that was no. This is, uh, this is uh, one of the... Luke recipe, so I think Rod Santantud is still one of the people that you know they they just produce in small batches once a month and everything just sell out like really fast. It's kind of an old school like more like a West Coast, uh, you know, a caramel thing, but it's pretty good and yeah, the the a lot of customers like it. And no, and uh, I was not there when Route uh, Saint just you know appeared. It was a pretty uh, sought-after beer when it first came out. I remember because at the time there weren't a whole lot of um, particularly modern-style IPAs in Quebec at the time. I mean, I guess everywhere in general because it was like uh, the, in Heady Topper's heyday, I think that era-esque, and then people were talking about this 138 in Quebec City and you can only, you can only get it in crawlers mm. right not crawlers yeah. but it, growlers, growlers, yeah. in big bottles um, I never got to try it actually I actually went through <clears> Quebec <throat> City this year for the to uh, or da- at least down 138 to go to uh, to the water and I stopped in and I asked and they kind of laughed at me like, no. uh, <laughs> you were like 15 minutes away huh? oh. yeah yeah that's the thing I was I wasn't thinking. I was with the kids and everything. And we were just traveling. I just, I drove right, I drove right by mm. it, and I was like, oh, and then so I just circled around. But, uh, <laughs> Can it wasn't you? A beer trip. So what? What are the? What is this beer you guys are talking about? Because I don't know, but maybe other people don't know what you're talking about. What is it? So a beer called One Thirty Eight so, that was a nice beer. Yeah. So you, to, <clears> to get <throat> to that brewery, uh, De Beaupre, it's Micro De Beaupre. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you take the the highway, the One Thirty Eight. And they named this beer um, basically uh, 138. Okay. So that's the road. So road 138. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I just remember it from back in the day being one of the uh, sought-after double IPAs in Quebec, um, heady topper-esque, but you know, West Coasty or whatever. I never got to try it, but gotcha. I remember. So the fact that you worked there, I thought I thought I'd ask if you were part of its creation. <laughs> Where is that area? Where is Beaupre? Just for Quebec geography. <laughs> so it's along the coast. So when you uh, you go down the east from Quebec City, you just go along the river about uh, forty kilometers past Quebec City. You'll just be there. Okay, not too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it with town to the east. 
Okay. All right. Nice. Yes, it's cool. I've never, I've never been there. Yeah. I've been to Quebec City like okay. once, and then this year I we drove. Anyway, you just like you drive along the coast for hours. And yeah. Hours. It's just town after town. After yeah. Town after town. This is this is the, the the you know the main of you know the the Route 138. It's kind yeah. of a start from the, the the state of New York and 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 like a, what what it's called again? It's Kegaska. Uh, it's about like uh, a thousand and five hundred forty kilometers from one point to another. But wow. it's like a really, really long road, and always on the north side of uh, uh, you know uh, the Saint Laurent Saint Lawrence River. So it's it's really awesome. And the funny thing is that you know uh, when I was working there, Hugo was uh, living in Beaupré, which is the city just you know. Uh, just next to the, the, the brewery and uh, Pierre Hugo is coming from uh, North Coast, like uh, at Bicono. So yeah. he, he have to get on a long way on the 138, you know, from, from Quebec, like five hours or something. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's hella fun. I couldn't believe how beautiful that, like I'd been to Quebec City once before, before this one. But it was like before the podcast and like I, I went to breweries and stuff, but it was a different time, like 2014 and, um, yeah. or 2013, something like that. And I couldn't believe, like I, I turned, when we left Quebec City, I turned back and went over the bridge because I went to Ralebuck, which is on the south side. But it was like, I couldn't, like, and then we went to Gas Bay after that. So like just driving along the river. So I guess it was the south side of the river we stayed on. And then all the way until yeah. it got dark at like nine o'clock, but you got a pretty good chunk of it. It was just insane. I wish we had have done that because it cuts through. You go like up all, and instead of going around the like peninsula, like you cut through to go to Gas Bay. So then it was just this pitch black, no Wi-Fi, no cell, sorry, no cell uh, reception. And it, it must have just been like straight trees. It was just such a crazy drive. It's such a beautiful area. It's super, so cool. I like it. You guys are in a good spot. But Quebec City in and of itself is, is it seems like you guys are having some sort of, uh, this is me from in, like, you know, Montreal and now like looking at you guys from the outside. I feel like that there's just fire on fire coming out of Quebec City. Would you say there's a craft beer, like an, another wave of like stuff happening out there? Or is it surge in the last yeah. couple of years, I guess? Or even, even like this, yeah, probably the last couple of years, but even more so this year. I just really feel like there's a bunch of breweries that in I've slowly been posting content mentioning like, hey, what was your favorite whatever of this year? And I'm seeing a more and more Quebec City breweries being mentioned. And I'm feeling that way too. So I was like, okay, it seems that this is a common thread. What the hell are you guys doing? What's happening out there? What are you What's in the water? What's in the water? Just having fun. <laughs> just doing what we like, I guess. Uh, there's definitely a, a, a huge boom in the, in the breweries and the way they, they've evolved. Uh, La Barberie is a very good example. They've been around for like 20 years okay. and they've just took a, a steep turn in the last few years to just right. change how they've made beers and <coughs> what kind of beers they approach. It's, it's really nice to see. And also some new breweries uh, <clears throat> like uh, Brasse Sudaman, which is just close to us. Yes. And, uh, that's been some really nice stuff too. And uh, La Souche is uh, maybe like <coughs> high, 800 meters from our river in Limoilou as well. Oh, really? Yeah. It's very close. And their factory is uh, even more north. It's in Stoneham, which is a bit more north than us. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. been booming. Uh, it's been a really nice uh, uh, scene for uh, increasing the, the time. No, it's, it's yeah. 
I think the, the, the market is evolving really fast. Uh, you know, Quebec, you know, just following the vibe. And, you know, uh, the older breweries are more concentrated in the old part of Quebec City. And, mm -hmm. and the newer ones are on the lowest part of Quebec City and even more further. Uh, you know, the brew pub here uh, on the 18th Street uh, uh, is just like, as Hugo, uh, Hugo said, like uh, 100 meters from Brasseur sur Demande and uh, two kilometers from uh, Emporium and uh, like uh, up less than a kilometer from Les Souches. So right now we have we have seen on the lower parts of, of the city and it's kind of evolving and, you know, the main people are like, uh, you know, Emporium, us, Brasseur sur Demande, uh, there's Alpha further. Uh, you know, Noctem has been there for uh, for a couple of years now, and it's kind of evolving. Yeah, I love it. And one thing about Quebec City is that you, it's such a so, such a dense city as Montreal, so you have to get around in your car and take the, the bus to get to breweries. But if you want to make a 20, 30 minute drive, you can get to so many breweries uh, right. not too far away. So it's a, like a micro brewery as we spoke about. It's like 30 minutes from Quebec City. Right. So it's not that far when you think about it. Right. Yeah, no, it's pretty close. I guess even if you think about that being 30 minutes and then your other production facility is 20 minutes north, right? So I guess it's not. Everything seems super easy. The first, You mentioned the old port. That was a good point because when we, we went to, Barbary was the first one, which I'd been to before. That was super cool because they changed a lot since 2014. And I think I didn't go to the Noctem. They have one down there, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Like yeah, a pub. yeah, yeah. We went to the other one, to their production facility, which was kind of far out too, 15, 20 minutes out. But it was all easy. The driving there was super easy. I feel like there's not as maybe it was different, but it didn't seem. And it's a pandemic, but it didn't seem like there was a ton of traffic. It was like easy <laughs> to get around. Then you guys, like you were telling me, I think Max as well. You're like, yeah, you should go to La Souche, you should go to Brasso Demand. I'm like, we already had the day plan of because of the way that we did the trip. But I didn't realize that everywhere, like every you know what breweries are like, you go there, like, oh, are you going here? You going here? I'm like, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't know. So it was, it was, it was interesting because to me, the thing that was crazy was Quebec City's only, it was less than three hours. It was like two hours and 45 minutes maybe from Montreal. And um, I was kind of annoyed at myself that we hadn't spent more time out there because I was just so impressed with the beer. And I was always a little scared about going east in Quebec, to be honest, speaking for the Anglophones, because I was like, ah, oh, no one's going to speak English and we're going to be screwed. But it was pretty You'd sweet. Surprise! It's it's, it's yeah. almost the opposite a little bit in Montreal. I think because of the history of having that many Anglo's, there's a certain. I mean, obviously, I don't want to get into this, but there's a certain animosity that exists in Montreal. I think because of the fact that there there is a an English population, whereas in I think sometimes when you go to like Quebec City and it's very tourist driven town, there's there's le there's there's a little bit of less of that if that makes any sense. That's a really good it's point. It's almost more welcoming in a way. I wonder if that, when we did that the first time, like, I, I, we were pretty much only went to the, uh, to the old port, you know, what, what you always would do if you visit the city. And that was, I couldn't believe, I felt like it was easier than Montreal to deal with yeah. the English. But the second time, obviously, I've been here a lot longer and my French is still shit, but, like, I could figure it out. We went to Gaspé, so I had no choice. I was like, all right, we're going balls deep here. Let's just figure it out. And it was pretty good. There was always like I could bluff my way through it or there was one person who could speak English well enough and we were, we were good. But 
it was just impressive because <laughs> it, it was like I wouldn't want I want to I guess I'm only saying it because I want to encourage anybody who might be like ah oh, it's a little fun. just fucking go it was just one of the one of the uh, we were like I said we were so like so close for so long so it's just now I wish we discovered it before all of this stuff happened or rediscovered it before all this stuff happened because we would have spent more time going up they'd be like oh let's just grab a car go to Quebec City for a couple of nights let's do it hit up a few people we'll do a podcast do some blah 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 like it's just it was just so impressive to me it was it was my uh we did a blog I was telling Noah earlier we did a blog post we do an end of year wrap up and um Quebec City was my number one discovery this year obviously there wasn't as many discoveries as usual but still like it was just cool. so so cool um because I was just so impressed um and particularly your the the pub guys it's just so sick so before I don't know if we want to do the tour again because you were showing Noah around the pub I don't know if it'll mess anything up but it's it's such a, a cozy place and the way that you guys have set up the brewery section out there in the mezzanine is just it's defying uh logic and and the fact that you're able to pump out so much quality beer in a space that's so small is insane to me um do you want to maybe take folks on a bit of a, a tour around maybe just show show the show the place yeah, of course, uh, with with pleasure. Now, uh, <clears throat> right now we are the, at the bar, well, um, just finding out to switch my camera. There you go. By the way, the, the this beer has such a pineapple thing. Yeah, like candied pineapple. It's it's just That's what it blowing is. my mind right now. Yeah, it's just really good. Uh, or papaya? I don't know. Anyway, it's no. I think it's candy. I wrote pineapple, but it's candied pineapple. That's what it is. Okay, so you got fun. Okay. Yeah, 100%. It's a girl. Yeah. <laughs> hey, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's uh, that good looking guy? Our, big, our huge logo. You know, this is insane. Super nice. Um, yeah. I know we, we sat at the bar, which is empty, which is sad in, the, yeah. in those times, you know. Uh, I'm wondering when I will do, you know, uh, uh, serving a, a glass of beer to my customers. Right. Um, okay. So this is basically it's a small place, so it's really easy to have uh, you know a comfy, uh, comfortable you know uh, atmosphere. So for COVID, we're like 50 places, uh, restaurant, but you know at 50 person it's really packed up, really really packed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be a good vibe. Okay, so we just fridge. you know a fridge. Uh, right now we're more like a you know a beer store with a restaurant and you know uh, some food. Yeah, yeah. And right now all you this is stuff. And the main thing is uh, that's really awesome. You mentioned it, Craig. Uh, yeah, it's the, the the small brewery, you know, which is about a uh, hundred and forty foot square. Which is insane. Look at this. Okay, so this is uh, this is not brew house, okay? Not not a particular Okay, good. Okay, so this is uh, you know the, the the two of the fermenter vessels, and the, the bright tank. This is a small small canning system we use. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's custom and all made. Okay, <laughs> hey, it looks great. Really healthy, and every can is like. It's being seen with the, the October. So we just built a, a mezzanine because we had no choice. You know, it's 140 yeah. square foot. So this is a brew house. 
where which is a three barrel, and this is a single fermenters. It's so cool. uh, everything is is built in stainless. Uh, <laughs> this was just like a, a really crazy project, but we kind of owned the shit, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you did. Definitely. Okay, so this is the brewery, you know. It's done, you know. We we've made the turn. <laughs> no, it's like it's just so impressive. Like, Go on, sorry, you. I said, I said I think we spent like three months on the uh, on the drawings of the, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the tanks just to get the most we could out of the space. Like that sort of ingenuity is is exactly what craft beer is all about. I fucking love that. I yeah. love that you're able to do it, but I think it's even more impressive that you're able to pump out the quality of beer. Like you had to figure that out. If it took three months to figure it out, that means you really thought every single thing through. And then on top of that, you're able to pump out beer that's of the quality that it's that you're doing. It's uh, it's just crazy. And it's, I guess you guys have been able to experiment a lot there because it's the small, um, you said 300 liter system, right? Yep. Yeah, so... I mean, is that really what you're like? What sort of stuff are you guys pumping out of the pub, as opposed to the the, the main production brewery? Well, at the moment, there's a um, there's a, a definition that's getting drawn between some products. So, we do brew some beers here that are meant to be scaled up at the, at the factory. So, like you guys got the Navarre uh, series. So, these were made uh, these were made at the, at the factory, North of Town, with a big kit. Uh, that's how we get into distribution. But we do have some beers that we want to make only here, like uh, the one we'll drink, uh, Double Dip, in, in a bit. Uh, it's going to be only brewed here in the small litter, ah, okay. small batches. And also the uh, the smoothies we make, uh, we know uh, it's a very sensible product. Yeah. Uh, put in time and how you manage, you manage it. So we just want to make it here, keep it controlled, because we, we like uh, the style. So we want to make it, uh, in a way that's manageable for everyone to drink. And it'll be a lot of fun to serve that on tap to everybody once you're allowed coming back in. Yeah, the yeah. 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 tap for sure. Uh, we have just a couple, one comment from I'm Hey DD. She's so hyped for the new releases from BG18. See you tomorrow, guys. And then Thomas Brunel. I don't know if that was in, oh, did a smiley face. What up, Thomas? What up, what up, what up? Um, <laughs> No, that's it. okay. So, would you say then that you guys start? Is that is this where like the experimentation for all the products? So, do you sort of like if you want to do a test batch, you know, it's still three hundred liters, but you know, test something out? Is this where you do it, or is there still a, a way to do it at the production? Like, how how does that look for you guys? Yeah, the, definitely. Uh, you know, we still do the the test at the brew pub, and then we scale up at the, the bigger factory. Um, like even with the hops, you know, like trying different recipe of, you know, triple IPAs, double IPAs, uh, new hops that we don't re- really know. So everything have to pass here before, yeah. before to make it to the bigger factory. It's kind of a classic, but you know, uh, uh, this is why, this is, this is why the pub exists at first. So we kind of continue on that way. But the past results are definitely be brewed right here because we can do like 300 liters and 600 liters. So we have, we can, you know, adjust the production a little bit. But before to do it with uh, like a, a thousand or two thousand or four thousand, four thousand liters, you know, kind of a different game. That's a good point. Yeah. 
Especially yeah, you don't the, want to drain a batch that big. That's no. For sure. Oh no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it happens. Which is dumped a two hundred liter, two thousand liters batch uh, like two uh, weeks ago, I think. Ugh. That's tough. Yeah. See, I mean, like, I guess. I mean, look, shit happens, right? It's a it's a science experiment, really, and it's you know that's the beauty of of the craft side that it's not always perfect. But uh, I couldn't imagine what that would cost if you did a two thousand liter <laughs> batch of smoothies or something that. It's just straight puree. And you got to dash it. Oh god! <laughs> yeah. I cry. Uh, yeah, in that case, it was a, a quality control issue. So we had a bump in ox- nice of oxygen out of basically uh, an unknown event. So we just decided to not send it out of shelves and just dump it and brew it again. Yeah, yeah. which that's smart. You know, at the end of the day, it's your brand, right? And people, uh, you don't want to be putting out anything that's subpar. So. So all the experimental, I guess, so like the pastries and the smoothies will be done there. Say something like this or that. all the other IPAs, like the, um, I like being hops. I love that one. Um, the Zell, is that what it's called? Yeah. Zelling? Yeah, that one was fire. The River Bear series, um, all of that type of stuff. Is that at the, brew, at the brew pub or is that at the production? Uh, Zell was actually the first, the only IPA that, was born at the factory, okay. uh, as a matter of fact, because it was in a, in a kind of in-between time uh, a year ago. Um, but it did change over time, so it's been kind of an uh, ongoing experiment. Uh, that, that beer would be like 10 batches overall in, in a year. Okay. But uh, all the other IPs went from the brew pub and went up. Uh, it's definitely easier to rebrew a different version of an IPA because it's... A lot goes into the technique used to make it. So uh, there's a, a big base when we want to explore new grounds. Uh, so we sometimes get it down then three top 300 liters and we do a smaller batch than that just to make sure we got things right before we get into uh, the group up. Gotcha. That makes sense. sense. Yeah, I guess because it allows you just to, to test it out. So then you're able to sell in the in growlers and um, and cans direct from there so you can still operate. Right now, yeah. Right now we can. Uh, we have a takeout restaurant, so we just make okay. food to go. But uh, uh, we kept the brewery running because we got our uh, <clears throat> our uh, industrial license like two months before the pandemic, which was a blessing. Nice. Uh, at, yeah. At a point, we wanted to be able to send a couple of cases in the uh, convenience stores around the brewery. So we just got really lucky. Time uh, fixed. So what now? We've been just Brewing uh, smaller batches. We don't do any kegs because we can't serve them. Fair. So you've had a you've had a barrel program going for a while, I think, right? Because even in, uh, before your rebrand, um, you I, I saw a lot of different uh, barrel aged beers coming out. Whether it was like your Imperial Stout aged in different barrels, or whether it's different mixed fermentation things. How long have you been doing that, and um, where do you want to take it going forward? I mean, obviously, we'll talk a bit about that when we when we drink um, your uh, amazing gin barrel aged beer that we're gonna ch- uh, jump on. But I'm just curious, like, when did that start? Recently or a Recently, while ago? Uh, it's the whole barrel aged program started in uh, started like maybe four years ago, I think, uh, at the factory. We crammed the uh, like twelve barrels somewhere in the factory and then we we made a spirit beer which was a broken barrel aged kind of a classic and then we made a wild experiment 
turned out very bad. It was never uh, sold at all. <laughs> what <And> was it? <laughs> it was a. It was based supposed to be just a golden sour ale. Uh, it turned out. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but we were oxidized in the barrels. Uh, poor management of the barrels. Vinegar. Uh, no, it's like a THP for us. Uh, but it was just very bad. We like it was just drying too fast, and we didn't top it, and just. <laughs> so based on that, we uh, we expanded a bit more and we uh, learned uh, how to work with the wood, how to manipulate it, how to fill and it, how to maintain it as well, uh, how the beer evolves in the barrels. So when we moved the factory, uh, we got a bigger, bigger space. We got maybe like 45-ish barrels in. Uh, then we started pumping some beers that you've probably seen around, like uh, I. In about like the Border Pira series, we've got the uh, Brumaier uh, coming in. We had like uh, fruited beers too. Okay. Yeah. I really enjoyed the uh, the three uh, different barreled uh, aged imperial stouts that uh, you sent me. Uh, I think it was in the summer, uh, or maybe maybe you had them already, but it, I don't know when they were brewed. But I tried them in the summer, and I really enjoyed those. A certain subtle was that the Russian, the Russian Imperial Stouts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we made right. a, a Russian Imperial Stout like a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, we called it Sepopov. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we just barreled different, the same beer into different barrels. Uh, we were like Sir Nikolai, Sir Vladimir, and Sir Pedro, uh, which were bourbon, scotch, and uh, tequila barrels. And you're just releasing it again, like this week, right? Not the barrel yeah. version, but the is it the barrel versions again? Yeah. Nice. So we did a small four pack. So this year's we scaled down the size and we did 375 millimeters bottles to get the smaller size and the bottles. Basically, uh, this four pack. Cool. So it just got into the distribution. So. And the reception is pretty well because we did smaller bottles, uh, and just this year, you know, uh, this year brew are just you know insane. They're nice. just really, really good. Is it is it four different barrels, or is uh, it all bourbon? Three different barrels, and there's a version of the the pop-up, which is you know the the, the like the, the 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 main beer. Of, all those, you know, imperial stout, and th- this version is made with, you know, with coffee. So okay. this is three barrel, three barrel aged. Like there's a tequila, there's scotch, and there's bourbon, and the classic one made with coffee. So, I love it. Pretty good. Yeah, That's so good. <laughs> I'm gonna keep my eye out for that. I love it. Couple quick uh, comments here. I'm Hey Didi says shout out to the River Bear Seven, one of the best NEPI at New England in the province, in my opinion. Is that the cool. one? Hang on, which one did we have? Was seven the double, or was two? No, two was the double. Seven was, was the, the double. Seven was the double. Yeah. Seven was part <laughs> of the anniversary releases, yeah. right? Basically, you know, the the, the number two uh, of the River Bear series is the only double, you know. Because the reverberacy was uh, the, the the you know the core of uh, our trying to to do best the best IPAs new IPAs possible. So this is why you you will never see you know the number one on the market. 
And, <laughs> you know, the, the number two is a double IPA. And, you know, after that, we just went to single IPA at 6.5% alcohol. And from, from Reverber 4 to, uh, to Reverber 11, it's all uh, IPAs at 6.5% alcohol. Nice. Different malt, different specialty malt, and different hops and different signature. Um, but this is this was this was the main of the Reverberci, you know. And one fact that we, you know we don't brand, we don't say really often is that we always use uh, local malt uh, from Inomalt. Um, it's our first, uh, you know. Um, uh, we buy from Inomalt, and if they don't have, you know, we go from Canada Maltage, and then after that, we go from um, foreign malts like Wyoming or that kind of stuff. But we just don't brand it because we don't always have it because, you know, it's a small maltery. So they, you know, sometimes with the offer, the demand, you know, they just. They just don't have, you know, Crap. enough stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine this time. Uh, shouts to Ari. Ari, in, uh, I believe, in Birmingham, Alabama. Says, cheers. What up? Yeah, she's awesome. Thank you for coming through. Um, I love that. Yeah, so the barrel, the, one of the other barrel ones, I think this is actually part of the next beer we're going to drink. When I saw you guys, you gave me a, I think it was called, it started with R, and it was a Radu Weiss or something like that. It was a gin yes. barrel aged. Is that right? Yeah, it's a Radu Weiss. Okay. Uh, so it's basically a burner rice uh, mixed fermentation burner rice that was fermented with uh, bread and lactobacillus okay. and aged in uh, gin barrels. And the name of the gin is uh, Radun oh, from uh, Gascuzzi. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, made with mushrooms, so that's why we called it like that. Uh, okay. Oh. And is that one, if I'm not mistaken, is that a part of the Calculon beer? Like that sort of base is one of the ones that was blended? Because that shit was fire, man. I was so impressed with that one. So it's it is part of the blend. Part of the blend. Okay. Yeah. Um, and as far as the barrels, no one like no one mentioned in that stuff. So you're doing you've got the the stouts that you were just showing there that are coming out. When are those ones coming out, by the way, for people who want those? Are they out now or soon? Yeah, they're not now. Like this yeah. last week. Uh, this last week. Okay. We did in in, uh, in stores. Okay. Perfect. Um, what other type of stuff have you been doing? I mean, obviously, you got the the stouts there, but you've, and you've done this specific one, which is like a, what would you call calculant? Is it, is it some, I like guess, style? Is it just a barrel aged sour or is it like something, I actually haven't had it yet, so I'm excited, but. So calculant for us is like the, the first beer of many uh, <clears throat> that we want to make in our barrel program. Uh, we did grow it very big and then we decided uh, about six months ago to scale down the number of barrels. We had and focus on a, a new strategy. Uh, so we want to make uh, like blending stock with different varying uh, mixed cultures. So we're okay. doing some spontaneous fermentations and then using cultures from other uh, uh, worldwide breweries to create diverse stock that we can blend to get different flavors. Okay. When you say spontaneous, do you mean like do you have a cool ship that you that you're using, or do you is it more like a spontaneous fermentation in the barrel? So it's not technically a cool ship. Uh, it's it's a cool ship. We did not have any yeast beer, and uh, so basically it's a spontaneous beer, so our coach ship is like, it's a, it's a blending tank we use with a, a big metal on it, like maybe a meter and a half wide, uh, but it's not 
a standard cruise ship like okay. you see. But it's the same concept essentially. You're yeah. Using, yeah. No, you added. We cruise overnight. Uh, we did three, two batch last year, two batch this year. Wow, that's dope. You guys, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so is that are you going to be doing more of that type of stuff as well? So obviously, you know, the stouts, but are you going to be pumping out more other, you know, like a variety of different barrel aged stuff? Or where is it sort of like Noah was asking where it was going? Like what other type of stuff would you be doing? So right now we have a beer on the way uh, that's, uh, that's currently uh, <coughs> measuring that we blended a couple of barrels in, uh, from a, a, a this blend we particularly liked, which gave it a push for me, a dank, uh, damp aroma uh, taste. And we had some uh, uh, miel brut, so raw honey from a, mm. a, uh, a mielerie in uh, Lac Saint-Jean. Cool. So it's going to be all January and maybe it be distributed somewhere in the June yeah, when it's ready. Nice. How many barrels are you guys sitting on now? We use uh, 500 liters barrels, so like punch yeah. ins. Uh, we have about 10 right now. Nice. Otherwise, yeah, spirits barrels. Okay. Are you looking to expand that or get a food or anything like that? The opposite to this. We have almost uh, 100, uh, 150 barrels uh, a year and a half ago, and we it was just too big for us, too much space, and we didn't have enough time to manage it. So we decided to uh, reduce the, the number of beers we made and scale it down and just do more quality, better beers uh, out of them. The okay. more I love to them. Gotcha. I think that's a good approach because you yeah. do see a lot of breweries who are just pumping out these barrel-aged beers, and sometimes they're mediocre. Sometimes they just have, they're just infected or there's just something off with them. So taking that approach is is smart where you can really concentrate on, on making those beers exactly how you want them. And because I mean, if you don't have the time to do it, then why do it? I mean, that's a, that's a good, that's a good approach for sure. Yeah. So that's, that's exactly why we went down from uh, maybe half the size we had before in barrels. So. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, you're right though. I, I feel like it's uh, it must be a, a total different thing to manage and you probably have to check it and it's a whole different skill set to know whether it's doing okay. And then you've got to do the blending and then how many barrel releases can the market sustain per year? Even if you guys are doing super small batches, which is cool, and you can probably sell them for a premium, that they're, they're not cheap, I guess. So at that point, then it is probably worth it, but still, it's uh, I, I definitely respect the uh, sort of slow scaling up like as the time permits and maybe the staff permits you got more people you're able to sort of uh, expand that but hey right now the fact that you i mean how many barrel aged beers did you drop this year then was it many no idea no idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah no idea no idea okay. i need to get a paper down and, and take some notes because i don't know okay that's good it's not that much last year yeah. that much but we used to get like maybe 10 or 12 a year out Okay. It was uh, too much, yeah. It was too much. Just because we had to just pour, uh, maybe rush some beers, and then at some point you would have, we are a very small team, like we have uh, seven people on the team, uh, so at the factory, so we don't, uh, don't. when a beer is ready to be blended, uh, you might not have the time to do it at, at that time, so right. it's been an issue we've had. So that's one of the reasons we decided to scale down and to, have more uh, less release and more time to plan them uh, to get some the best stuff we could out of the barrel program. 
Okay. Did that apply to the non-barrel stuff as well? Like, have you changed the way that you release anything? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's also part of the of the situation because it's the same thing that that, uh, that makes the the clean beers and the barrel beers. So when you make an IP, that's going to be take three weeks to make, uh, and it just takes a lot of uh, of time to make sure it goes well. Uh, you can't just look another way and just do something else. You, you need to keep an eye on everything. So it's mm. it's, easy. it's it's uh, it's very important to focus on when you start something, you start a beer, get it done the way you want it to until the end. Right. So it's yeah, and I imagine as well. Like I, I was sort of asking that in the sense of. Um, during the pandemic, obviously, it's affected every business differently. It seemed like the beer business was mostly hit, obviously, at a place like the pub that, you know, the in-house sales would have gone to zero, obviously. Um, but then people still seem to be drinking a lot. So I was curious as to sort of whether, um, you know, because of what's been happening this year, have you had to scale back or is it, or anything like that? Or did you have to ramp it up? Like, what's the sort of situation been for you guys as far as the way you People have been purchasing. So the brewpubs uh, obviously been closed, uh, restaurant-wise and the uh, tap room-wise. We can't get any customers in uh, to pour drinks or serve food. So we've been lucky to have a uh, a permit, uh, a license that allowed us to get beer and cans and bottles and get them out of the the brewpub. Uh, and for the factory in Dorset Town, is uh, we've lost the whole uh, uh, keg market. Yeah. So any yeah. restaurant bar sale. But fortunately, it's been made up. Um, Cancer out sales. There's been a, a general increase in the whole market in, in two go sales. Right. So it's been pretty, pretty even uh, in terms of volume. How was the? How is the uh, the keg? Uh, how were the keg sales? Because I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like in Quebec, in my experience, there's less restaurants that serve local beer than in places like Ontario and stuff. So, But maybe that's a Montreal thing and not a Quebec City thing. So I'm just curious, like, are there a lot of restaurants in the area that would, would buy kegs off you? Or like, was that a, actually like a, a, a relatively big part of your business? Uh, Keg-centric breweries. So we've had a minimal uh, uh, entry to that market, but it, it is, a, your hunch is right. There's definitely a difference between like uh, U.S. cities and Montreal as well, Ontario, in terms of uh, how our approach breweries. Uh, it's hard to get in, and the customers seem to look for maybe uh, more classical beer, uh, maybe cheaper beer. I don't know, but there's a harder entry. There is some doesn't bar that focus on on breweries, but it's yes. not as many as in Montreal. Interesting. Uh, but even in Montreal, I feel like it's not there. There aren't that many. Um, but I'm guessing that's kind of changing more and more. But I, I just remember years ago going to Toronto and going to a relatively fancy restaurant, and I and they had like Great Lakes Pale Ale on top. It's like, oh, this is amazing. Oh yeah, man. at home, it's it's Boreal. It was Boreal or it was Unibrew or uh, if we were lucky. Otherwise, it was just <laughs> the, the regular. Yeah. stuff and it was rare to see anything outside of that i know I, but i mean i've been going to less restaurants in the last you know five years or so so i'm sure it's it's been changing but i always found in montreal it wasn't wasn't great for that 
It's never been great here, man. And you're 100% right. Whenever we go, we get it. Well, before all this, we're in Toronto like once a month because that's when my brother lives there, my girlfriend, and Tiff's mom lives there. And everywhere I go, there's always a half decent beer list. Always. Like, it's almost, there's not quite like Vermont, like I dare you to find a bad beer. But in Montreal, like, like we, we would go for special occasions to like a fancy, you know, like a Joe, Joe Beef is good. They got stuff, but we went to a Pieta. Even then, they don't have a bunch. Uh, no, but they pair them with like, we went, when we went to Joe Beef, they, at the time it was a big deal, but they had Le Castor Yakima when it was in bottles um, and a bunch of other beers to pair with their stuff. We went to um, Pieta Cochon, which is like the, owned by a famous chef. They had yeah. St. Amboise, they had McCausland on tap, and I got wine. I was like, I'm not doing with this. And I was crazy disappointed because I feel like usually those type of restaurants where you're going to end up with a two or $300 bill, they'll have Orval, they'll have some, you know, even Judy CL, they'll have something nice. So, um, but I've, I definitely find that overall Montreal does not have that same dedication to craft beer that Ontario has. So, you you are correct. Yeah, it's a cultural thing uh, for all of you. Yeah, um, I mean, but it's interesting though because there's such a rich uh, craft beer cultural thing in in yeah. Quebec. You know what I mean? Even like even if you just look at Unibrew and like the history behind that, and that's been here since the '80s. And yet, like, you go to Pichon, you can't even get, I don't know, Pits or whatever. It's, 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 it's odd. Yeah. So sometimes it's like if there's a difference because uh, you have a good, you know, wine selection and you have crappy beer or you have awesome beer and you have kind of a okay wine selection. And it's really, you know, it's, it's kind of rare the places where you can get the boat of them like mm. that's a good point. <laughs> yeah it's, really it's kind of oh, i feel about you know, from quebec city and the place uh, i goes around and uh, a place i really like for that um it's a friend of mine which is the owner is a clandestine in Gatineau. it's kind of a, a cavist and it just all Awesome lambics. Uh, you have three lines, but always awesome stuff uh, on those three lines. And you always have, you know, awesome wines and that kind of stuff. So this is a place where, the, you know, the, the, the taste drive, you know, everything. Like the food, uh, the alcohol and everything. So I think it's, it's where all our, uh, not people, but restaurants are kind of, there's a thing to to upgrade, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you did a collaboration with them this, uh, and so did Cinquième Baron. About to say, yeah. Gamma Magato. Yeah. Oh, that was with them. Yes, that was yeah. fire. Yeah, it was great. Tell, that was from the anniversary. Do you want to just maybe just touch on that? Because that was like the first pastry stout I'd have from you guys. It was like Jesus Christ. It was. It was, was that your first pastry stout bottle? Period. Uh, We had a delicacence uh, out. Um, beside that, it was a. Oh yes, pastry. I had that. That's true. Yeah, and, yes. and one in the brew pub, Imperial Pastry Style, but that was the the first one in bottles. Right. So I'm gonna want three of the shelves. Yeah, yeah that was, was with um, Nutella, uh, not Nutella, but it was with hazelnut. Yeah. Delicacence, yeah. That's sick. I know. I, I thought that that Grandmama Gato was very similar in the texture to the Coco Valan, the. Um, that well, was a 
pretty yeah good we had that on when me and me and Noah were on the podcast we both had it we're like yeah let's let's make sure we drink that one and yeah, you guys nailed that one on a particular so level. yeah because like you know like Buck Canada they, they they're kind of like setting the standard now for the like the 10 percent big boy pastry stouts. I feel like they've been doing that for a couple of years. Um, but I've had a couple of their lower ABV pastries, like the 7% range, and they're and they're fine. But Coco Valon was like, I feel like it was it was that perfect marriage. Like you still had head retention on it, and it was rich and luscious, but it wasn't too sweet. I, I, I really love that. that Same. Really, cool, thanks. That was potentially... It's actually... Go on. It's actually uh, a good point you have. It's, it's uh, somewhere we were going in the next year. Uh, we're going to get a few more sweet styles on the market, nice. which are in the, in the scale of the Coco Bala with uh, uh, less, uh, less water variety of ingredients, more focused on a specific flavor, and okay. just well-rounded and more drinkable, less sweet. So, okay, I like that. Yeah, it was just that one the boat, that, that blew, my, blew our mind when we both had that, I think, for the first time. Noah, was that right? When yeah. we had it together yeah. on that, that was like, yo, this is crazy. And then when I had, it was like the, the next week, I had the grandma mine and that was, it, it had us, it reminded me of just like a ramped up version of it. And, and there was a lot of similar characteristics, which is something that I like. It was like, it's another thing that comes back to like the IPAs that we were saying before. There's like an identifiable characteristic. They're very different. They're all very different beers, but I'm like, once again, I feel like if, if we did that one blind, I'd be like, Oh, this is Brasserie General. Like, I feel like I could pick that in the same way that Noah picked the, the IPAs. And I think that's a, that's a really cool thing to be able to achieve that sort of familiarity without being the same. I think that's, that's really speaks to, you know, Max, what you're brewing there and, and you know, what you guys are doing. It's phenomenal. I love it. Very cool. cool. Thanks. Um, do you want to bust out the, uh, the yeah. calculator? Cool. Sure, yeah. yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I've kind of like, it's a big bottle okay. at the bottom. Yeah. I know. Yeah, we've got to get and, uh, our, uh, our cork screws going. Is there a cork in it? Yeah, there's a cork and a cap. So like you need a Cantillon style. Woof. All right. Fancy. I'll be waiting for this one. Yeah, I think it needs a corkscrew. I didn't know about the cork now. That's good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, do we get the wine thing? See, there's a cork. Yeah. yeah. Just get the wine okay. thing. Yeah. Thank you. Don't open it. Cool. Yet, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, be careful, Craig. I don't want no incidents yeah. tonight. Yeah, this one. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, look at this. Okay. Look at this big boy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this is the assemblage of the seventh anniversary. Um, thank you, baby. Um, your best blending stock uh, and Berliner Weiss aged in gin barrels. Look at me reading French and English, mate. I'm a. I'm a I'm fluent. It has uh, <laughs> citrus notes, floral, fucking, uh, it's a little bit saline, like a little salty, and champignon, a little bit mushroomy. Uh, yeah. A great potential of aging. Oh, you've got it in English right below it. Fucking hell. Idiot. I think you're going to have our future, you know, English description of beer. They're pretty, like, <laughs> Yeah. Simple, <laughs> really basic. Do you know what? Uh, it doesn't matter though. I was reading because even yeah. before I was reading off this and I was reading the top thing explaining all the, the hops, yeah. and then I read right under it, it was right there, and I didn't even think of it now that uh, and, um, that's the case. And Champignoni yeah, is not even a word, you know. We oh, often like to, we often like 
to you know put the word on something you know you get in mind and it's kind of kind of <laughs> funny champignon is not a french word <laughs> it's not okay it's just mushroomy it, yeah it's crabs a beer perfectly okay that's hilarious that's oh, even funny the calculant thing then so why did you guys uh do the 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 i mean this is amazing the cork and cap just to piss off people <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it makes it an experience, no? Look at oh, this. Yeah, definitely. So the order is to put the bottle, the bottle is going to be when you get to pour it. So it's, keep the suspense going. Do you want to take a photo of that and pop it out? We're taking the photos as we go, so if I'm stuffing. Just so we, we used to take them at the end of all the bottles, right? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just chipped the bottle. Well, what are you... <laughs> You gotta use the automatic ones, Noah, mate. This is the. Uh... Okay. Delightful. Yeah, oh, oh. Oh, the cork smells amazing. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, so this is uh, this beer has been hyped up to me because Noah, um, Noah said it was one of the best beers he had this year. Oh my gosh, Tiffany, that is the glass it needs. I got the Hill Farmstead proper glass. I was about to do a little tea cube. <laughs> Get rid of that. I do. I got a little Breton Sauvage going. Ooh, I like that. Nice one. Oh, we're saying fancy. Fancy. Are you ready? Uh, tell us a bit more. I know we spoke about this beer before, but uh, tell us a bit while I'm taking stupid photos. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, we see some blend from um, our best stock. Yeah, we just went around the whole barrel, uh, the shit, the whole barrel room. Okay. Tasting every barrel that was. Uh, qualified to be blended. Okay. Just, just pick the, the real best we've had and uh, started blending, blending it with other beers to get see what kind of flavors we could get in. And okay. then we stumbled on the uh, the gin uh, age burner vice. We just said, uh, like, this is it. And just loved it so much. The complexity, the, um, the, the, the wild aspect of the, the base beer uh, with the, uh, the herb. Herbaceous citrony. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what I loved about it too. Is it, it has this obviously it has this kind of like goose like funk to it, which is lovely. Um, but but it also doesn't smell like a typical lambic or anything. But then you have that that uh, herbaceous thing, that gin like juniper thing. But it's not intense. It's super just subtle. Okay. Ooh, it's gorgeous. It's like a nice uh, little bit opaque there. Got a wicked little foamy head, so I've just taken a photo. I don't get to drink it yet. I'm just looking at it. Um, the saltiness that you describe in it, is it because there's like a goza mixed in, or is it just more just the perception of a saltiness? No, it's, it's just the perception, I think, or maybe but the, it does the, have it. The, the gin side, but, you know, you have a, like a salty, uh, some, some things like that, you know. With, yeah. with, with the citrusy and you know the freshness and the, the little bit of damp uh, that right now I think the damp just you know disappear a little bit to to let the place to the citrusy and the salty side. Yeah. But it's really good. It's a, it, it's evolving really really well. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's even better than it was before. It is. Yeah. yeah. When we we released it, it was kind of a kind of young like tree or maybe. Yeah, I think like three three months uh, bottling bottle conditioning, 
but you know that kind of that type of product you you wanted you know to taste it and then you just decide okay it's ready so let's just sell it like as you know the big producers are doing yeah they use it over a year stacks of powders and they taste it and at some point they just okay this is ready so they just put stickers on it and labels on it and you know just sell it so this is why our, our, our next one you know uh, made with raw honey uh, um, is, you know we're going to take a, lo- a little bit more time on this one because uh, the project you place now in October is kind of different so it's more pinpoint or it's it's more delicious it's kind of yeah this is wild man this is like acidity is 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 not too intense either which i really enjoy like it's there obviously but it's um it's got the same level of acidity that you would get out of like a gears or something it's not like an American sour that's just breaking my, my palate. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of getting tired of, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, the uh, uh, enamel so I, stripping. Uh, it's lovely. Yeah. So it's six. Yeah, we have a, kind of a, a war on the acidic acid, so like the vinegar side to the sour beers. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. So we, we get down to the minimum. There's a small amount of it is nice, like in, in the red flanders. Okay. But, we mainly want to avoid it as much as possible, get more lactic acid, more citrus uh, kind of profile intensity. Yeah, and I'm pretty biased on that. Like, not biased, but like I, I, I can appreciate it in a, in a Flanders, but when I drink a beer like this, that's too much of an aesthetic profile, I tend not to like them as much. Mm. Whereas in this is... Uh, this doesn't... I don't have any of that, that, uh, that vinegary notes no. at all. And like some breweries do it on purpose. Like I know... Um, like Le Castel, he'll he'll blend in a more oxidized like vinegar beer just to give it that level of complexity, which I can respect and appreciate. But at the end of the day, I prefer it wasn't there. <laughs> that makes yeah. any sense. There's just something ab- about that that vinegary profile that I find works in a maltier like Flanders Red kind of thing. But I don't love it in these uh, in a beer style like this. Yeah, that's what I think. Cantillon did great in the last years. The, the their beers were like much less acidic. Yeah, uh, it's really nice to, uh, to see going on a, such an old brewery. Yeah, I mean you get it a little bit in like Rosé de Gambrinus or whatever, but um, in the Gerses and stuff, I, I haven't I haven't noticed it too much. But yeah, there's, it's always been there a little bit. Would you say this is uh, is this supposed to be like a good style or a lambic style? Excuse my ignorance mm. on the uh, matter. Uh, neither. neither, I guess. Yeah. Either. Okay. It's more like a, a flavor-driven beer, you know, like from blending stock, and maybe there's more like a lambic, you know, uh, identity in that beer. But we, uh, as you go said, we just spend like. Hours or two uh, or three, maybe uh, blending, you know, sampling and trying different blends and identifying, you know, the, the best, you know, barrels. And we just decide to celebrate our seventh anniversary, you know, really well and doing like an awesome beer with the best stuff we find. That's so, so good. It's not, it's not a ghost, it's not a lambic, it's kind of just. Uh, a flavor-driven product. 
I love that. That's amazing. So who's the big Futurama fan? That came up <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, sometimes uh, it's me. Uh, you know that. You know, uh, I'm often behind. You know, the names and you know the the, the branding. Uh, it's funny right now because me, me and Hugo are you know uh, driving the new labels with Romain, and I think we we have a lot of fun. You know, going through that process. But you know, sometimes you you just you know just live. Then you get an idea and you get like, oh shit, okay, this beer is that name and it's that concept and kind of blows, blows your mind. And you know, the, that drive, you know, the calculon thing is kind of a, it was this uh, golden sour hill. And I was right. talking about, I was thinking about you know, the golden color. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was thinking about Cactuo, you know, <laughs> some robot, like a, a normal star and golden, metallic thing. And, and you know, uh, the green is just, you know, the green that we have at the pub on the wall. Yeah. And I was like, okay, golden green, this is fucking awesome. And we just shoot that, yeah. And then bring that in. And we were like... Ideas and often we are like, um, ah, we, we like it, you know, the dynamic is just freaking awesome. And I think, you know, it's important for the customer to feel it. Yeah. That's yeah, I would, it was I, it was funny because the name I was like, because I haven't watched Futurama in like a decade, um, so I was like, I know that name, Calculon. I know that. <laughs> I'm like, wait, is that a Futurama reference? And then I'm like, no. And then I'm looking at the label, and then I see like the hand. I was like, oh. What What <laughs> was the thing? Because I I didn't so, see it. So I don't know if you ever seen Futurama, but I know what it is. This but character who's the like. A reoccurring character who's like the big actor he's like this shakespearean uh robot actor okay. so like if you could imagine i don't know like kelsey Grammer or something gotcha. but in a, it, but as a robot is he like old, bender's friend he always plays like these ridiculous roles and his okay. name's calculon and okay. uh, and if you look at the label obviously for copyright reasons they don't just put a picture of calculon but like you see like the arms, like those are his hands. And like an thing. antenna or something at the, at yeah, the bottom exactly. there. Okay, I get it. It's like a modern sculpture of Calculon, actually. What's that? It's like a, a modern a sculpture of Calculon. Yes, exactly. sculpture. <laughs> no, I love that. That's awesome. That's even funnier because I remember Noah mentioned that in the group chat with the other boys. And they're like, yo, I think that's a, a Futurama thing. So it's good that you called it. But that's good that you also did the, uh, oh, that's what he looks like? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I like that you didn't go for the copyright, uh, the cease and desist label. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's why you did it, but I just, it. just send the letters. Yeah. Right. I feel like a lot of breweries don't give a shit. That it's like, yeah, let's just do it. And if you get the, um, get the thing. Oh, someone had a question actually. Uh, they said, "Is there any calculon left? Like, can people still buy this beer?" <laughs> No, uh, actually, okay. The, um, I think there's a, a cool hidden spot where some magnums are resting, you know, really tranquil. But you know, it's supposed to be a secret. You know. Okay, so we can't say nothing. <laughs> some special no, they, they, release they, they, one day. 
Yeah, but it's so 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 few. So you know, there's like, you know, just bunch of them. So it's kind of uh, a thing that we reserve for the restaurants or that kind of stuff. So will you ever because, bring? You know, Sorry, go Magnums ahead. were made to celebrate, you know, together. But you know, we got this COVID thing. But you know, the the, the calculon is is gonna go through time. So we just made a bunch of Magnums <laughs> because we like them. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and COVID thing is gonna is gonna end uh, at some point, you know. And uh, after that, uh, the next summer we're just gonna bang some like, Magnums everywhere and we'll celebrate together. <laughs> I love that. Will this will this beer exactly as is ever come back? Do you think, or it's kind of a one and done type of situation? It's a good it's a question. Good. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> question. Yeah. We can ask offers to sales, but <laughs> there's no. Be kind of hard though, no? Because isn't, yeah. isn't it like a it's a, a blend. particular blend of yeah. your blending stock, or was it something you could recalculate? Mm. I see what you did there. Get some things. Yeah, kind of like it, but. The thing is about about making uh, mixed fermentation beer and barrels is that your job as a brewer is to give a, a, a head start or like a base for the beer to like the the, the beer wort and the mixed culture you get in and then you just let it go on ferment do its stuff and uh, follow it and then you don't know exactly how it will turn out but what you do best is you see what you made and then you blend it into a good product like this one. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the culture what made us uh, fall in love with the uh, the best blending stock part of the uh, of the blend is that we we had a uh, a yeast blend from a lambic producer mm-hmm. that usually takes like two three years to get really well balanced and good. And when we tasted the barrel after like fourteen months, we just fell in love with the beer in the barrel at the point. It was just so good, so well balanced and strong in flavors and no aftertaste. So we decided to use it and blend it with something else. So right. we can't make the same beer, exactly the same beer. Okay. Oof, I guess that's the beauty of, uh, of this type of beer, I guess, because it's uh, a once-in-a-lifetime experience to a degree for it to be exactly like this, which is uh, sad but also amazing when you get to, to try this stuff. Yeah, I mean, blending is kind of a, of an art, you know. Yeah. Uh, guys like, you know... Uh, that own Tilke, you know, yeah. just is it, it is his job, you know, to blend beer and to know that, you know, this beer is going to be almost the same year after year and evolving through this. But, uh, you know, there's brewing, there's blending. It's kind of two different things, absolutely. And on the blending stock, you know, we, we, we kind of have, have a different approach. Uh, me and Hugo are like, you know, driving the, the, the things together but it's kind of a, a new thing for us and, and we kind of you know uh, it's driven by the taste but seeing this beer right now and the moment you know we just blend that the stuff it's kind of freaking awesome how different the things are you know right and right now we, we just can't imagine how the beer will turn but you know it, it's just more awesome you know, <laughs> well, awesome. I love it. Is it worth discussing in a little more detail, like the actual blending process? Like, is that interesting? Because uh, I don't know a lot about it personally, and I imagine it's a pretty uh, subjective and kind of like, do we like this? Is this blend? Like, did you like? How does that kind of 
work? Like, do you like, what is the actual, do you pull a bunch of stuff out of different barrels and you put them in glasses and you're like, all right, 25%, 25%, blah, blah, swirl it. Mm, that's not bad. Okay. Let me try, you know what I mean? Like, what's that? What does that look like? So far, our process that we use in the Calculon and what we were going to use in the future is uh, we first determine what kind of beer we're going to make, uh, what type of uh, flavors we want to get into, or like uh, the alcohol-wise, uh, color-wise, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then we taste what we have in stock. And uh, if any barrel is off and doesn't taste good uh, or smell good, we just discard it for now. Okay. So it's not ready or it's not good to, to blend. Then we keep everything that's good and fits to the profile we want. And if we have something that's maybe you you don't want to blend any bad parts into the the blend, uh, bad, bad beers into the blend. But sometimes you can get it's surprising how you can blend a, a particular beer that doesn't have a taste that you're looking for. And then when you just tone it down a bit, a strong flavor in a, in, a, in a part of the blend, toned down with another part, would just make something pop off. You mm. wouldn't think was beyond there. Okay. So the process is, is mainly uh, figuring out what's good to use and then where you want to take it uh, acidity-wise. Uh, you have the flavors, the aromas, and the funk in it as well. Right. And it's just about finding that. Like, are you when you go into the blending process, are you looking for something or are you just kind of like, ah, let's just see what, what happens? Uh, both. Both? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, like, I guess, you know, making this beer, you knew you were looking for, obviously, you're taking some some beer from a gin barrel. So, you're like, okay, well, we're going to have herbs and spices and, and um, botanicals in that one. Plus, it's a Berliner, so you're already going to get a bit of tart, you know, a little bit funky probably. Then you've got your other stuff. So, you knew it was going to be based on that. So, it was really just finding that sort of mix. That was so with the Calculon, what we wanted to do is to get a, a golden sour, so a fairly sour beer. It wasn't too acidic, uh, very light in color. And uh, we wanted it to be complex uh, in on various stages of the... If you take a sip, you just one big punch, then it falls down. You get a sip, you get some part of this, and then just evolves to other flavors. Mm. Uh, took. Uh, so that's, that's what we wanted to do. So, when we got the gin barrels into the blend, it just like just made the beer so much more complex with the all the herbs and the uh, the spices they use in the gin. Right. Yeah, and what's I think I said it earlier, but what's so amazing is that it it's just subtle, right? Like it's not, not I don't mind a, a dominating gin flavor when it, you know sometimes it's fun to get punched in the face with juniper berries, but that's not this at all. Like this is. Yeah. It's like it's just it's just there in the background, like you said. It just like those layers of complexity. You're like, okay, well, what's what's going on? At first, you would sip it, you might not even place it, and then over time, you'd be like, okay, I think I'm getting some kind of herbal notes here. Like it's not because usually anything gin, it's like it's so obvious immediately. Yeah, and it is there, um, but it's not it's not in your face at all. It's it's just well integrated. Yeah, that's where the blending part comes in. Really, yeah. you get to pick. How much you want to make into each product, and we all uh, when we do the blending, when we figured out which valve we want to use, we then do small tweaks up and down on each portion. And sometimes you could just move like five percent of one uh, part into the other, and it just changes the whole profile completely. Mm, that's so, uh, interesting. It's a yeah. fun process. Yeah, right. I can imagine. Love to take part. 
one day. That'd be yeah, awesome. but me, that's actually a great point, Noah, because that's something that I feel like it's like even in collabs, it's not even really like it's real. There's like a very small bunch of people who really ever get to to do that. Like a lot of people, hey, I'm pouring hops in the fermenter or some shit. But like, but you know who who kind of took that on another level is Small Pony because he was uh, Sean was hosting these. I remember these yeah. Sunday yes. things where you get to, like I think you'd pay like. I don't know, fifty bucks or something, and you. It was more, it was like a hundred bucks for the day. Yeah, and you got to blend your own beers, and then you got to take them home with you. So I thought that was such a fun <laughs> idea. I didn't, it's I didn't awesome. do it. Um, but yeah, like you go for the afternoon, you blend your own beers, and maybe they turn out to be nasty, and maybe they're not. But like he takes <laughs> them, and he he. I don't I don't know what he does. I don't know if he like force carbonates. Them. I don't know what he does, but. Uh, then you get to take them home and try them after. Um, so that, that's a that was a fun idea. Yeah, I like that. He was telling us about that program too. It's a it's a, it's a really fun type of thing, and I feel like it's because it's like what you said. Like it's, no one really gets to do that type of stuff, and I feel like it's almost like a it's such a subjective art, maybe because it's sort of everyone's as opposed to just regular brewing where you just brew some stuff up and it's you know pretty standard you know for the most part what you're going to get like the blending is this whole other world where like you know five percent will make the difference between a good beer and a great beer type of thing like just small tweaks and changes it's it's, it's actually fascinating really yeah. um and like you were saying uh, hugo like as far as like you know you never know you might have this pretty boring beer but you add that to an intense beer and all of a sudden you've got this crazy flavor that you never thought would even uh would sort of mix so i feel like this beer was absolutely not oversold knowing you your rants uh, about how fire it was is uh where it was certainly accurate this is no it's exception i don't really drink stuff uh like this often enough so it's nice to sort of uh you know have something as well and even just the small thing just having a cork in there just like oh this is <laughs> this is an event this is not just cracking a beer. Like, there's there's a reason why they had a big Cantillon poster in their uh, in their brew pub back there. So I figured it was a little influence from them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Double yeah. been there once, you know. But uh, the, the funny thing is that we, uh, me Hugo and uh, you know Eric from Club Saint went to uh, Jester King like uh, two uh, two summers ago. So oh. I think. So yes, right when indeed. Spawn was coming out, around that. Uh, no, there was a couple of no Spawns a uh, couple of years after. Yeah, uh, but we we got a, a lot of influence there. You know, uh, just again, just you know, an awesome place to be and to stay. So we <laughs> we just been there for like three days in a row and just spend our yeah. afternoon and you know spending like hundred bucks, a uh, hundred you know, cost oh, wow. cost a lot. Um, but you know, uh, you know, Jester King was a, an awesome experience for us, and the cork is part of the thing. Mm. But you know, uh, the the next beer coming too with Rahoni, uh, I think the idea is came from the uh, it's called uh, you know uh, Honey Estate. It was a beer that you know that amazed us. You know, it was a fresh lambic made with like uh, Rahoni, and we just kind of blows our mind, everyone. You know, uh, so just to think just for yeah. us what was a big influence into the process of uh, doing bl- blending stock and, and just trying to focus on, you know, uh, on the, the, the flavor driven thing. 
just not like uh, you know uh, uh, goals are are lambic. It's kind of more flavor driven and you know respect the process and respect the product. Yeah, that could be the episode yeah. name, flavor driven. I like that. Flavor driven. I'm gonna write it down before I forget. Do you like that one? Do you like that? Just because if I otherwise got to come up with some bullshit yeah. later, so I'd rather do that one. Um, so, no. go. Someone gonna say something? Sorry, I thought someone said so, and I thought I interrupted. No. Oh, so it's sold. Oh, sold. Boom. Done. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, no, this is fantastic. Um, what else did I want to cover? The as far as the um, so the 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 honey one and these other barrel age stuff is then is there anything expected anytime soon or that's going to be six months plus away like everything's a little while six months is soon is soon okay all right so it's going <laughs> yeah, to be a while that's, that's true that's soon <laughs> we want another bottle release next week okay yeah. <laughs> be, be people are thirsty come on guys so we have yeah, raw honey beer that's coming that's bottling in January, so it's going to be released somewhere between maybe April to October. Okay, depends. Uh, we do want to make two, maybe one or two fruited sours uh, at early in the winter, so maybe they'll come out roughly in the same time, maybe like uh, April, May to the end of summer. Okay, uh, but we we did rework a, a whole new aspect of our blending program, so it's going to get to maybe like four to six releases a year. Uh, we just want to take a good six to nine months from the point we said, okay, let's make a beer with this profile, then choosing, blending, bottling, aging, and then releasing. So that process, just that process, is going to take like maybe six months minimum. Uh, so we need a, maybe a, almost a year to get it going and uh, be able to release six beers a, a year mm. with, that, uh, with that process in mind. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, like, I don't think we really touched on this, but. What I what I think is pretty awesome. Sorry, I don't mean this just to be like I'm just going to praise you this entire time because <laughs> I'm sure I can probably find some form of criticism or something. But um, what what I, I particularly like about what you guys are doing is that you have something like this, um, which is a mixed fermented blended barrel aged sour, um, and then you're also just jumping on the. Smoothie train and the pastry stout train and the the the, the hype stuff too. And like anyway, like it, it it's it's what 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 I'm enjoying about what you've been doing um, over the last couple of years is, uh, you know, it, it's one thing to just concentrate solely on on what's hyped and what what's trending and then perfect that because that's not easy either. Like and and I'm not I'm not um, I, I enjoy it. You know, we had we, we talked to uh, Derek at Brewski last week, and that was an amazing, awesome experience. Just like hearing him talk about smoothies for basically two hours, and like <laughs> it, it brought a whole new respect to the whole thing for me. Like I was, it was on another level. Um, but you know, what you guys seem to be doing is it's uh, it's it's so tiered. Like there's so many levels to it. Like you have your bigger production brewery, uh, you have your your smaller uh, brew pub. You're experimenting there. You're touching on everything, and you're you're doing it well. Like that's that's not easy. Like to, no. to produce Calculon, uh, um, which is is better than most blended barrel aged sours I've had in Quebec. Yeah, with I, there are exceptions, but um, and then to be able to do solid haze, and now you're having fun with smoothies, which I haven't tried yet, but we have one to try. And 
your the pastry stouts and like everything that I've had from you guys has always been. It's been like just. It doesn't. It never really attacks my senses, if that makes any sense. Like, it, there's always just a nice roundness to it. Um, I'm not gonna say like a simplicity, but a. Um, I guess just like a, like a balance. Like even even your stouts. Like you know when you when you when you crack open like a bourbon county or something, and you're just punched in the face with bourbon and the sweetness <laughs> or whatever. And it's like this just intensity. Uh, but even like Peche bourbon or whatever, like it has. There's like a certain intensity, and with your your stouts it was like a little bit more subtle and some people might be like oh, i wish i had a more punch but for me that's all, all often the stuff that i'm seeking out more these days if that makes any sense like how how round is it how is it like how how does it um just kind of like function as a beer like it like i i don't need to be punched in the face all the time like mm. sometimes i just i like i like to have that more full complex thing and i've noticed that you guys have been doing a good job with that and your ipas aren't green and they're not in your face um which some people want and i, and I want that sometimes too your your ipas tend to be slightly sweeter but more round and i actually really like that too so yeah. anyway i'm, I'm ranting but all this to say your beers suck i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> happens <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's, it's the thing we, we kind of talk about a lot is that uh, it's, there's definitely a, a very a big punch aspect with the pastry styles and the smoothies and stuff like that. But I think when we say we there's a balance in intensity, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it makes sense, but that's kind of how we see it. So if you get no, I feel like style, that's what you were actually doing, which yeah. so it's going to be sweet, it's going to be very intense flavors, but you want to get all the components and you don't want to end up with just a syrup. In the bottle, yeah. you just want to get something that's enough uh, bitter and just rounded off flavors to get through the bottle or at least to share. And that's kind of key too. And 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 I think that's what often happens when you crack these bottles, right? So you you crack this bottle from a hypery, or even if it's not, you pour it out. You take three sips, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is crazy! Yeah. This is amazing! I love this!" And then you get like nine, ten sips in, and you're like. Okay, I'm done, right? And, <laughs> right. You, and then you other... just said it. No, no, you, you said like three sips, and it's actually the, the, the three first and the, the, the more important, but you know, you have a glass to drink after that. Yeah. So, and then it, it, you know, it, it, it's the main thing. You know, you can get punched in the face by something for the first three sips, and after that, you have to finish your glass. And, you know, this is where balance is important. So, I think for us, you know, this is the side, you know, we, we want we want to work. Uh, you know, it's getting all the ingredients. It's, it's important getting, you know, the, the about you know the past three starts about getting the sweetness, getting the ingredients, uh, a little bit of bitterness to you know balance all that sweetness and that intensity. But you know, it's a stout, so it has to taste a little bit roast or something chocolate or something right. coffee. Behind it's it's not just like if you put some dark you know dark malt at the end of of brewing process to make it uh, look dark but n- not taste like a stout you know so it's, it's all you know on on every every product it's kind of the the aspect of balance that is important even on IPAs you know we have to get some bitterness you know uh, personally I don't really like it when it's too Candyish or too hot burn, but you know the mix of two is kind of 
like my way to go beer. You know, I like a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of candy, but a little bit of auburn. But, you know, if it's too much of of, uh, of one of beach lemon, uh, you know, I kind of, kind of not enjoy the beer, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what I appreciate about, like, the first time I tried uh, Riverbear. Uh, I did not know what to expect, and I cracked it. And it was just it was just kind of this pleasant surprise of like, okay, this isn't trying to be too much of anything. And it was it was kind of refreshing because you, you, you drink like Masorum or something. Generally well, they, they do so many variants of, of New England IPAs, obviously, but a, a lot of them are pretty dry and sharp. And then you have like some of the newer guys like uh um that's Not that John. I want to name a bunch of names, but like yeah, Sir John um, and a few others, where it's it's even on a whole other level of of sharp greenness. Okay. Uh, and and it, it it's so it's like there's this big astringency to it, right? Which can be fun sometimes, especially if like you match that astringency with like a heavier malt profile or something like that. But what I I, I don't know what I really appreciated was uh, for for Reber was just like the the uh, the roundness of it and was just like oh this is just it's it's totally drinkable it has a certain sweetness to it and richness to it that I think some people might be like oh I want a drier IPA but I kind of appreciated that uh, w- the fact that it, it it wasn't trying to be something that was old school mm-hmm. but it wasn't trying to be something that was burning my tongue with hot burn either like it, it was somewhere in the middle and and it, and it worked perfectly. Yeah, at some point, you know, I'm the first customer of, uh, you know, our brew pub. So uh, I kind of enjoy, you know, the beer I like, you know, I like to brew is the beer I like to drink. Mm. So this is the main of the brew pub. And for us, the big challenge is to bring those, you know, uh, those recipe and those balance to our bigger factory. And so this is a, this is kind of a big challenge. And about, uh, you know, yeah. uh, we're working really hard on, you know, that part. It's not, it's not that simple. It's not like if you just made like, uh, uh, you take that recipe and you just add three times the amount of ingredients, you know, it's kind of a really hard part of the job. And this is, but this is a challenge. There is no detail. So that's what makes it hard. For yeah. sure. So, in, in the complete <clears throat> opposite spectrum, uh, sorry to cut you off. Chris. No, no, definitely. Um, you, I, I got to try, I think it, how you had it written was an American, I don't know if it was American lager or American light lager or something yeah. along those lines. Um, I really love that figure. And I'm curious, okay. are you guys going to go start doing like a pills and start doing going down that Lanker trend? And, and, and what's I was going to ask that. Glad. Look at no yeah, yeah, It's definitely part of our, you know, uh, our the next year in, uh, in um, you know, in the next year we're going to brew more like uh, the 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 clean, which is the lager you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, which is an American lager made with, uh, you know, uh, maize. Uh, is it maize or corn? I don't corn. know. Uh, yeah. yeah. And the best material rice, but made with like nuggets and, and you know, which is the wrong, 
uh, Willamette, but you know, uh, local hops. It's kind of a really crisp, really isn't. It was really sharp. It had like a pretty intense bitterness, that one, I remember, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was all down. That, uh, is it? So you've done. And I love the bitterness uh, from that batch. Mm-hmm. This was a was yeah. this a, like a dry hop lager or just like a craft? No, it's mm-hmm. it's not. A, it's just a basic lager, you know, okay. and not dry hop. Just more like uh, they, they they are different part where where we can work with hop, you know, at at late boiling or in dry up or. At the bitterness level, so uh, the the about you know the common clean is just like an easy drinkable beer. Uh, personally, you know, uh, we like you know big IPAs, big sweet and stout, and you know higher alcohol beers. But when it comes to you know, easy drinking beer, I'm kind of a really uh, like a lager guy or an uh, a Hefeweizen guy, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really enjoy, you know, session IPA because, you know, I don't Me personally either. don't, I don't believe in that type, you know. Uh, and I want to do IPA, I want to be a real IPA, you know. I, when I'm between, I need an Hefeweizen or a lager, just mm-hmm. kind of. So, about, you know, the, the factory, we can scale up the company, which is the American lager. And uh, the uh, the Levi's, uh, which is an improvisation uh, inspired by you know uh, a beer uh, it's called Blanche. Very city. You ever tasted? Sorry. Don't think what, so. What's it called? Uh, Blanche. It's kind of a beer that's made. It's kind of a signature beer from Côte d'Ivoire for the past okay. like uh, seven or eight years. But to me, you know, uh, I worked there for like. Almost five years, and every summer, you know, I just had to, you know, drink that beer like a lot because it was made during during summer and the heat. So right. I had to do like different version of a of a, of a perfect beer, I think. So the Louvain is kind of one of that beer made with uh, with Camus and a different twist, but in the same style. So come and please. Guys are going to produce in in bigger you know volume at uh, at the BJ factory in the next year, so it's coming it's coming the next weeks. Nice, nice. I like that. Uh, I want to just echo knowing everything you were saying. I appreciate everything about you guys that you do all of the above. Like you still do the classic stuff. You still do the Hefeweizen and a bunch. You've got your classic lines still, the Floreal and things like that. And, but then you're able to do these like crazy barrel aged blends and do a fucking fight. I, I, look, I'm going to be honest, I don't even like triple IPAs really. I don't really like anything too boozy. That was like delicious. It was so balanced. Yeah, really. It didn't burn my face off. Like, I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Um, and the fact that you guys, like Noah was saying, you're able to do pastry stouts, you're able to do smoothies, you do the trendy stuff, you do the other stuff. Um, where does that come from? It's an interesting thing that as you know, Noah and I, and Noah's been co-hosting a lot with me, we're speaking to a lot of breweries all the time. And I find that people are, are typically one side or the other. They're like straight purists or they're like, hey, man, I'm down for anything. But it's usually the ones that do the, the trendy stuff don't do the other things that you guys do. So where does that come from? What, what made you want to do a smoothie and an Oreo stout? And the triple IPA, but then do a Hefeweizen and then a, a you know a lambic style beer. Like, it's not very common to see that. And on top of that, done 
very, very well. Yeah, I think it's kind of a, you know, a word between me and Hugo. Uh, we yeah, kind of say war. We are. Uh, you have to say war or work. No, no, we are. Oh, okay. It's, like, it's a war between me and Hugo. Yeah, and I was like, okay. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. You know, because my, my English is really good. I have been for for months, I think. But uh, I think it came from, uh, you know, me and Hugo, we, we form a, you know, a duo. So kind of, uh, uh, Hugo have his history and I have my history as a brewer. And I'm more creative and he's more like pragmatic, I think. And we kind of together work really well. So we have a lot of vers- versatility, you know. So I think to me, it came from there. So for okay. Beijing. That makes sense. I have a very important question. Is a smoothie sour a beer or is it not a beer? Uh, was I expecting that one? You know? <laughs> it's apparently the most debated thing right now. Like everyone is either like all for it and they love it or like aggressively against it to the point they're yelling on, on the internet every day about them. And people, you know, Noah and I have a bunch of friends and typically Noah and I disagree on stuff like this, but He's team smoothie, obviously. I'm team smoothie because I like fun in life. And um, <laughs> Noah doesn't always like fun, but now he's on my side. Sometimes. And we're, sometimes. You and your IP used to be bitter, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Noah, like, ugh, disgusting. Am I right? So, but, yeah, so uh, is, it, is it beer? The obvious answer, the obvious answer is no. Okay. Smoothies are the beer. Uh, technically, because there's so much sugar and fruit in it, mm-hmm. yeah, that's actual fruit in it. So to me, it's not directly a beer. Uh, we make it based from a beer but we do just we just blend uh, fruits into okay. a beer that's, that's our beer and that's uh, keep the fruit into the beer and we just make sure it's well blended and it just gives the impression of a smoothie so it's more like a beer cocktail uh, like for us that's why we won't be, we won't be making uh, uh, smoothies and then shelving into the stores and just forget that a beer is better than a good glistener so it's, it's just gotcha. a whole new range of product that's different from a, a lager, an IP, a stout, or whatever you can just make when you make beer. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That that's what I've heard before. Another brewer here in Montreal who's a traditional dude, he's like, I don't hate them, but it's not beer. Because it's not beer at all. And that was like, and that was one of the first times he said exactly that. It's because it's a beer cocktail because it's beer mixed with unfermented fruit juice, just like a mixologist, like a bartender would make. And I was like, huh, so that's a good point. But I wasn't too sure because at first I'm like, yeah, of course it's a beer. And then now I definitely understand it. For the smoothie, uh, Noah, if you move your head, people can see the one that you've uh, done now um, in Noah's gorgeous photo right there in his background. If you guys are listening to the audio, definitely check the video. Um, that specific one, two questions. One, was that your first smoothie? And two, what was the fruit volume per liter? Okay, basically it was like a month ago. <laughs> that was the first one. It was like, yeah, it was strawberry and raspberry. Nice. Uh, so the beer, the beer was good. It was really you know, fresh. It has, you know, the, 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 fruit, the fruit aromas and all that stuff. But the, the texture wasn't there. Okay. So basically, just right after that, the next week, we just made a, a blueberry, 100% blueberries made with uh, United States blueberries and uh, Lac Saint-Jean blueberries nice. that we just blend 
right at the with the factory. We, we had some lactose and vanilla to it, but it was kind of freaking like uh, just, I mean, almost gross, you know, uh, kind of, kind of uh, chunky, chunky, chunky. Because you blended it yourself, like you blended the fruit. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we, you didn't get puree. Yeah. You just blended it. Wow. Okay. No, we, we do that sometimes, and you know. It was it was it was cool, you know. The flavor was there, but the texture the texture wasn't there. Okay. Uh, so, right after that, the, the next week we just made a, uh, you know, a, a pineapple and a, a mango. Yeah, a mango. mango. A mango, yeah, a mango. But we made our own, you know, ma- mango, you know, puree, and you know, this one was just really, really awesome, you know. It was just the texture was there, the the aromas, the everything was there. So it was just awesome. And this week, you know, we do, we have the double raspberries, uh, the black and red raspberries. I'm so excited! Yeah. Yeah. A, a little bit of, of vanilla. So we just add the the, the the vanilla, just add a little bit of kind of roundness, sweetness to support all that you know uh, that acidity and that you know came from the the, the raspberries. So it's just just blending stock, you know. It's easy to adjust at the level you want, and after that, you just have to respect, you know, uh, all those uh, the, the spec you you've just made. Like uh, we put we put a lot of fruit into those beers, so it's kind of beer cocktail, you know. Right. Almost totally fucking out, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> it's you, not beer. You know, the uh, the percentage of of fruit that you put. Pretty much close to it after all. Shit, after, eh? Yeah. Okay, so that's a lot. Close to. Close to. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's so. So that's you insane. brew like a, a like a a Berliner with a a relatively high alcohol percentage, and then you add the fruit to balance that. So what what what's the percentage of the of the the black raspberry one? Like it, it at the end, like once it's flooded. Okay. Yeah, it's like for 400 grams per liter, but you know, in the liter you really have like 400 grams, and you have like 600 grams of beer. It's kind of right. that stuff. Okay. So it's but then, half, half do you uh, factor for smoothies? How much fiber you're taking when you drink? <laughs> <laughs> yo, that's yeah. an interesting point because I always kind of feel it in my yo. I feel it in my guts the next day. I had one last night and I woke up today and I had to go straight to the bathroom. And I just thought it was like I had too much beer or something or I had something f- weird for dinner. But no, maybe you just it's ate just... 37 fruits. <laughs> Yo, I never thought <laughs> of that. Like 87 strawberries that night. Yeah. Oh. The shit's good for you. That's what, like, yeah. I had one after work the other day. I'm like, fuck, I feel Yeah, like actually, <laughs> if you drink a water or smoothie, you, you kind of have three serving of fruits, you know. Uh, so day. Like oh shit! But if you drink a whole a whole liter, you know you have three serving of fruits, so it's kind of freaking awesome. That's pretty if good. You have Fifty calories beer, you have the smoothies. You guys are uh, diet dietitians now. This is beautiful. Breweries are just. Can you get some spinach in the next one? Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe some <laughs> celery, cucumber. <laughs> I can see their uh, eyes just thinking, like, hey, can like, oh, fuck. Some kale, yeah. Max, write it down, write it down. Collab, collab, mm. collab, collab. 
Um, uh, yeah. I'm down. I'm down. A celery, a celery down, smoothie, right? celery and cucumber smoothie. Let's fucking go, <laughs> kale. Woof. We wanted to. We've been nah. looking around uh, a couple of years ago about making a, a, a tzatziki ghost with cucumber. It's <laughs> <laughs> a tzatziki Garlic? Are you going to put garlic? Why not? You know, oh, man. Let, let, let's get black garlic to make it fancy, you know? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so down for that. Yo, I never thought of that. That is like... I always find that when I have the smoothie... I've been drinking more smoothies lately, fortunately, because they're fucking fire. And because everyone's so angry about them, it makes me want to drink them more. So, yeah. like, I just want to, like, like, yeah, fuck you guys. It's talking shit about this fire-ass beer. And or cocktail, beer right? cocktail. Beer cocktail. Beer cocktail, sorry. I, like, everyone keeps saying that, so I feel like nobody's trying to pretend that it's beer. So that, that's cool. That's cool. But I never thought of, like, you've actually blown my mind tonight that it's the fiber in the volume of fruit that affects your stomach. So if I'm not too drunk by the time we finish tonight, I'm going to crack the, the other one. To give it a to oh, give it a go. Yeah, you, you can keep it for tomorrow morning, you know. You can just, <laughs> just you wake know. up. Like, ah. Yeah. The, the, the new <laughs> I mean, your morning is one p.m. anyway. Yeah, I was, I was I was actually thinking when you said morning, I was like, hey man, I have a different lifestyle. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to be. You guys want to do the stout? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm, I'm gonna ready. go okay. pee. Yes, go pee. Could you put the yeah. stopper in that? Put that in the fridge and then get the can of the stout, please? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So you guys were so kind as uh, this particular stout. Can I say that the other cans that Noah and I have, are they the only cans that exist? Yeah. But I think I think we can consider it for the future because, you know, we, have, uh, we are in a situation where, you know, people can share like big bottles. But we have to go on smaller, you know, uh, smaller size beer yeah. and that type of product, you know. But, uh, you know, this is why we made you kind of custom beers because, uh, you know, <laughs> getting into a, you know, a 750 liter milliliters uh, beer, it's kind of it's really a- hard. At, uh, <laughs> After this. At, like, 10 or 11% of alcohol and after a triple IPA, you know, and a, <laughs> a whole bottle of calculon, it's kind of a, it's kind of a rough situation. Yeah. It's a, it's a big ask. I, I really appreciate that. And I, I think there's a lot to be said. Thank you so much. Um, there's a lot to be said about this package for Mayhem. There we go. The, yeah. uh, like looking at it like this, it's so super sexy. I love, I like the size and it's kind of perfect that the, the bottle, cause it says 750 mil on it. So I actually even shows you that, but, um, I like, I, first of all, I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for doing that. That's super sick because then the last thing I want to do with your beers is fucking waste them. I would have been like, Tiff, can you please help me? <laughs> but I would not waste them either way. But the, um, I, I like this format for these ones. Cause this is like, this is like, this is, this is my beer now. Like. I don't have to be like split it with somebody. I can drink a 10% stout and and not have to to get rid of it or or anything like that, you know? So um yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think I was actually thinking, do you know what? Speaking of that is when I when I cracked the uh the 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 um triple IPA. I was like I've never seen a triple IPA in a uh 355 or 330 format before. Yeah, yeah, for us it's kind of a you know an irony, you know, because we, at the pub, we, we were always doing in like 355 milliliters, you know, cans. 
but you know we kind of decided to make a switch to the you know the, the general size for craft breweries which is the for uh, 473 yeah. yeah but uh, we begin with a triple ip at 10 percent alcohol so this is basically kind of a an irony, you know, yeah. uh, because we, we do, you know, easy drinking beer in two smaller cans and we just <laughs> to go, uh, 10% in bigger cans in the <laughs> triple IPA. But I think it's just a question of timing, you know, it's kind yeah. of, you know, that situation. <laughs> yeah, man. I never thought of it like that. That's actually fucking hilarious is that you see lagers yeah. in this size, a 5% lager, but then you're going to get a 10% triple IPA in this size at all times. Like that is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, but but in your in your defense, I've never, ever seen a triple IPA in this size. Um, I've seen a few. Yeah, I've seen a few stouts. The, the Nightcrawler, you know, the, the collaboration between uh, Back Canada and uh, you know. Oh yeah. Another, it was in three fifty five. Vox Populi. Vox oh, Populi, okay. I didn't get that one. Yeah, that was in small yeah. cans. Okay, sick. So, but yeah. the point is though, that that's pretty rare. That one, but you know, it yeah. wasn't small cans. Okay. <laughs> I also heard it wasn't very good. <laughs> no, it wasn't very good. Seriously. Uh, That's a shame. It just, it just wasn't there. No. Triple IPAs are hard, man. Like to be in their defense, I mean, triple IPAs are a really tough beer to to make to be super palatable yeah. and drinkable, and like you know, say like you were saying earlier with the booze, with the volume of hops, with the malt balance, you know. Um, but yeah, this is this is very much appreciated. Uh, so this particular beer, Double Dip, this is a, a brand new one that just released today. With um, yeah. Yeah, tell us about it. So it's an imperial stout, a pastry stout with uh, a shit, from what I can tell, because there's no English on this one now, but ajout massif, a, sh a shit ton of Oreo. That means a very little bit. Just un petit peu. Mm -hmm. uh, cacao, yeah. cocoa, vanilla, and uh, Madagascar vanilla, and our good friend lactose. Nothing is That's complete bad. without lactose. Noah's favorite. No. No? Are you, are you guys team lactose? No, uh, you know, you can make a good beer, a complex beer without lactose, but, you know, in that kind of, of stuff uh, on the sweeter side, on the, the, the dessert side, you know, you have to, you I have think, to have put it. lactose into it. It's important. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I want to ask about, because um, I've had Oreo beer before, but only, like, once, and... Um, there was an awesome saltiness to it. How does that, which one? I haven't, I haven't sipped this yet, but how does it play into this? Because I'm guessing a lot of the the salt from those cookies. Oh yeah. Through the bit. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah, but you know, it's it's the first time we uh, we work with uh, you know uh, a product that is so much. Uh, Transform, you know, like Oreos. It's kind of, it's kind of, oh, everybody knows or everybody knows what Oreos are make, are make of, you know, cream yeah, yeah. and you know the biscuit and that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty, you know, transform element. But sometimes you can have some of maybe I don't know of flavor, but different kind of flavors from a non-natural element. Right. It's like with, with cacao and with hazelnut and with vanilla. You work with 
this cream that is made with like, uh, with uh, kind of oil and you know sugar and kind of uh, have a mm. list of ingredients, but it's kind yeah. of really long. So you know, I think it came from that personally. Okay, interesting. Yeah, there's there's, there's going to be fat in this beer from the cookies. That's yeah. a good point. The head retention on, on yours. The head retention, you know? Something. Yeah. It's not looking too oily, though. Like, it's looking pretty good. I didn't get a huge head retention, but I poured it pretty slowly just for the photos. Um, Could also it, does, it, it does drop down fast. It drops yeah. fast. Okay. Well, first of all, get it in you. Yeah. Yes. You really get the cookie in it. Um, nice. So I don't want to get... Oh, so I, I don't want to oversimplify the beer, but when you take a sip of this, what you really get is it's like if you crack down a real cookie into two, to the cream side, and just poured beer when you, when you ate it. <laughs> it's pretty much all it feels oh, like. Ooh. Mm. Um, wow. Do you use, how, how'd you do it? Did you crumple up a bunch of, did yeah. you just buy the, 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 the is, it, is it both the creamy and the, Oreo or is yeah. it just the Oreo bits? It's, it's basically just like chunk of Oreos and we just, you know, you know circulate beer through, uh, through the cookies. And, and then we add, you know, the cacao and the vanilla to, uh, you know, make the element going, you know, going up to balance the, the, the cacao and the vanilla. So it's just, we just work with too much cookies. <laughs> uh, they, they, basically the cookies are like drinking beer so we just lost a lot of you know volume to that process mm. yeah but, but you know just, it's did you eat them after just to like beer. try and save yeah I, I tried it and it was pretty awesome you know I, I just you know, uh, I just like collect like a, a liter or two of cookies made with you know imperial style and I just Give them to my, uh, you know, uh, you know my my cooks. And yeah. I said them, I said to them like, yeah, just make brownies out of it. You know, it, it must be fucking awesome. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was just like Oreos with imperial style. That's a good idea. Kind of, uh, thing, and just just make a, you know, brownies out of it. You know, it must be awesome. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because last. Last week when we were talking to Derek uh, at Brewski, I was asking him about how much money it must cost to make the smoothies. And he was saying, <laughs> yes, they definitely cost more. But the fact that you're adding puree to a beer means you're adding volume to the beer and you're not taking anything away from it. Mm. Whereas in... When you dry hop the fuck out of a beer, the hops suck out so much that you just lose that volume. And I thought that was really interesting, and, and it kind of ties into what you were just saying with the Oreos. You're throwing all this, these dry cookies that are just going to sop up all your beer, so you're going to lose that volume. So not only do you have to pay for the Oreos, which probably aren't that expensive, they're just Oreos, but then those Oreos then suck up your beer at the same time and you end up with uh, producing less than, than what you started with. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and it's, it's the same deal when you uh, make a beer with whole fruits, whole fruits. They tend to uh, absorb the beers into the fruits and so when you separate the beer from the fruits, you just lose all that volume 
and lose like 20, 30, 40% of the beer. So from a cost perspective, it would probably be better to use purees than, because you're just adding volume. Yeah, that's what you can do for smoothies because you keep the puree in, but when you, when you had uh, fruit puree to a, a fermented beer and then you just want to separate the, the, the fruit from the beer, it's not the same, but it's kind of akin to adding fruit, uh, fruit juice to the beer. Mm, right. So you'll have the fruit flavor and the sugars, but you also dilute the beer. So if you do that, right. you have to on the base beer you made uh, that you are going to make a stronger beer based on the fact that you're going to put juice in it. Yeah, that makes sense. But that's, that's one of the reasons why uh, when you put almost half of the, the, the volume of the beer into fruit when making a smoothie, the price point is just in the high end of the IPs because you just get so much volume back from the fruit that you just serve to people. So uh, it keeps it accessible. Hmm. No, that's a good point. I didn't think about that as well. I actually forgot about that. No, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a good good point with smoothies. And then obviously it's the opposite with IPAs unless you're using maybe cryo or something like that. If you're using pellet hops, they're just soaking shit up. And then these things, I guess, because you do have to take that all the, all the Oreos out, which are just soaking it up. I wonder if it might sound dumb, but is there a way to like say with the Oreos or even hops, it can, you can get all the, the matter and then like squish all the liquid out of the matter. To, is that like a part of the process to try and like mac? Oh, do you just scoop it out if it's wet and you lose beer and tough shit? Like, uh, I guess you could do it in the case of a beer when you dry in an IP, when you dry up it in the fermenter, you just want to keep the context so short that right. you don't want to eat process the beer in a way that will either keep the contact longer or add oxygen to the beer. Gotcha. So it's just safer to just dump it. Mm. Uh, cryo does help a lot. And we've been moving to cryo going from off and off to 75. And as much as we can, we go to 100% cryo hops for that matter. Okay. Yeah, so for uh, interlude, you are... They were both cryo. Cryo, right? Yeah. So is that 100% cryo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I couldn't tell you by heart. Maybe maximum. Uh, but we do, whenever we can use cryo hops, we do. It's not all the varieties that are used in cryo. Uh, we try to keep a 50% minimum ratio because we put a fair amount of hops into the beer. So if we don't, if we put like 20 grams per liter of uh, regular hops, like this pelletized hops, it's very hard to keep it. Uh, low contact and lose a lot of beer. So if the variety is available in cryo, we just use it because it's, it's better for the beer. It's better for a brewer to, to use. Interesting. Okay, that make I mean that makes that makes sense for sure to be sticking with cryo. I know it's more expensive, but I guess it balances out because you lose less beer at the end of the day. So you can sell more. Therefore, it's it works out better. It makes better beer, so it's all for the pennies. Gotcha. And that's what it's all about. Um, I have to say, this is one of the more, I, I know people don't like this word, but one of the more drinkable pastry stouts that I've ever drank. Like, it doesn't have an insane body. There's a sweetness to it. Yes. It does have a little bit of body, but it's... Yeah, it's not like cake it's not. It's not like drinking motor oil at mm. all. Um, what I like about it is you really, you really do get the Oreos. Like when you sip it, you get that little saltiness, and you taste the cookies. 
Um, but the yeah. the ten percent, it's really well hidden. Yeah. Could be because I just finished a ten percent beer. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's and, and the uh, I think it's the cacao that um, gives the the finish a bit of bitterness to to cut through the sugars. Or I don't know if it's a hop. Uh, hop bitterness, but there's something in it that that get gets rid of that sweetness because up front mm. it's sweet, but then the finish is is, is uh, a little bit dry. The, the the focus on this one is on the you know uh, the as we said before you know the balance between the, the the cream the vanilla cream side and the cacao side. So mm. kind of go through uh, through those both sides, you know. Uh, when you taste it, you have the vanilla, the, the round sugary thing. It, I think it's more creamy of the pastry stuff you, we've made uh, since, uh, you know, we, we begin to do pastry stuff. So we have the creamy vanilla side and then you have the cacao thing, you know, which is the, the, the biscuit. So it's more yeah. like, it's, it's not as complex, but it's more like a creamy, you know, vanilla cacao tin. So uh, that little bitterness came from uh, maybe the cacao addition or yeah. the biscuit, but you know, it's kind of a, the more creamy pastry start uh, we've we ever made so far, I think. Interesting. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, super chill. Tiff is loving it. She's like, he's hanging on to it. She's like, yeah, yeah, let me get me. <laughs> no, it's great, man. I'm. Uh, I think it's dope, and I really. I think there's a big future in pastry stouts in the small towns. The more the, when I saw it, and I forgot that you actually told us that you were doing this um, before it, and when it arrived, like, oh yeah, that's, this is perfect. I was like, because I saw the big one, I was like, oh yeah, we're doing this tonight. Like, oh fuck, like I don't want this to go to waste. And I'm like, boom, perfect. I really think there's something. I think Tiff commented, liquid Oreo AF. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But yeah. It really I'm, does have the Oreo thing. Yeah, it really does. But yeah, I really and even the artwork, is this the same same uh, person who did the interlude and Yeah. Yeah, this is dope. This is sick artwork, man. Um all, all of Lasar, so, you know, we we are hundred uh, percent, you know, with Comey Lasar right now. Uh because uh, it began with no uh, with the Horacio uh, beer, and you know after that the big hops yeah. and the Reverber Serie, and then uh, right now we are really on the same you know uh, same place together, and it's really funny to work together, and we 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 just you know pitch concept of you know double the because we 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 thought about you know. Uh, Oreos, cacao, you know, double dip. Uh, in COVID situations, kind of a really ironic. You know? <laughs> what do you think of that? You know, we won't spend the holidays, you know, with our families and that kind of stuff. So uh, double dip is kind of a thing where uh, someone is gross and you know just <laughs> dip that thing twice. It's kind of disgusting in a COVID situation, you know. Yes. Uh, so. Double dip is just some name. It's just said, uh, you know, uh, okay, double dip is a no real pastry style in And we had a concept, but like, uh, just, just do, do what you want, you know, uh, do something and, you know, 
and this is where the, the label came from. Love it. That's that's a, actually more uh, more nuanced than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's hella cool, man. Um, yeah. So, do you, do you actually have plans to to start doing? Sorry, I'm, I know I'm just fascinated with this. I just think this is the coolest shit because I'm not like it's the problem with uh, with the 750s are sick. They're really fantastic. It's a beautiful thing. It always makes you feel like it's an occasion. Like I was saying before with the calculator, when you pop that, I mean that's the cork too. But like, yeah, like it's this big beer and it's a, a thing. Um, I think the the only problem, say, you know, for, for people who end up just stacking up beer and you end up with this cellar that you intend to drink and you might not is that everything's too big and there's so many 10% stouts. You're like, ah, oh, I need to share that with somebody and it's COVID and maybe people live alone or they're not able to do that. Something like this solves all that problem because then this is a, a nice single thing. You're not going to get too messed up off it. It's, it's perfect. It really is for this type of stuff. That's why I always love Pesce. Yeah, because it's in that small bottle, right? For a like nine, everything. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, they're all in that, you know, whatever, 330 mil bottle. So it's the exact same thing. So do you have immediate plans to, excuse me, do something like this? Or is this kind of maybe for the... For I think this no. is just for us tonight. No, I know that. I know this one is. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to take away the specialness of this. This is I'm going to keep this <laughs> can because this was one of two. But... yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, is is this something that maybe mo- this this format is what I'm saying? Moving into 2021 with this type of style, it's still a dark stuff, definitely. And the way we released the uh, the four pack we spoke about with the Emperor Stout, aged Stout, is uh, one of the reasons we went from 500 to 375 milliliters because mm. we felt like 750 is good to share, uh, 500 is in between, and 350. Ish is just perfect one person. So yes, we felt like it was. Uh, uh, if you want to get two, you can get two. That's fine. But if you just want to get one, three fifty milliliters more, so is just the right amount of beer with ten percent. Yes, hundred um, percent. So hopefully that's something that we'll see more of, both from you guys and just across the industry. Because I feel like it's not. I know the Collective Arts they did their Origins of Darkness series. That's like eleven. 11.9% stouts in the 355 or 3, whatever it is. What is it? Is it 355? 330? Yeah. yeah. Whatever. 341? No. It's, it's 750. 750. It's written on the label. Yes, yeah, this is 750 mils. You guys are magicians. You fit a lot. <laughs> Honestly, I think we're going to see less of it, unfortunately, because less I think everyone's moving that? to cans and most people are moving to 500 mils. And then when they don't do cans, they usually do 750s. I mean, right. that, that's at least what I'm seeing with like Masorum by Canada and most people. Yeah, right. But start to get some uh, 375 bottles out oh, yeah? in the last month. Who, oh, yeah, yeah that's did. true. Who did that? They did some increase at 375. Yeah. Who was yeah, that? That's true. I uh, have, uh, yeah, I have one right actually right here. I personally think uh, that, you know, the, the 750 are going to come that's back in about a year, you know, after the COVID. Thing, you know, uh, people are gonna start together to get, you know, to share beer together, and the, the you know, the, the 750 is not, you know, it's not dead. No, no, no. But no. right now, the, the the you know the 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 315 cans or the 37, you know, 75. It's a really good thing, you know, because uh, you most of the time you can share your beer, your beer. So you mm. know. Yeah, that's true. 
And, uh, you know, when we were in, in Texas and we just bought like, uh, you know, big barrel aged stouts that came in can, but, you know, in pack of two in a, in, in the cartoon box yeah. uh, from uh, Martin house. But, you know, those beer were fucking awesome. And they were like, uh, 14, uh, 14% alcohol made in rye barrel age and, uh, they were just awesome, and I personally enjoy the fact that they came in half size of uh, big bottles. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, this is an aspect you know we can work, and I think in the next one it's gonna pop up. You know? Yeah, I think you make a really good point, actually, Max, about the um, the bottles are coming back more at, as COVID sort of begins to be under control, because right now the sharing is less likely. Uh, unless you got like four roommates or some shit, but like yeah, yeah the smaller cans and like I said, kids. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I bet you, I bet all your kids are, are just uh, loving this. you has got three of them. I only have two. Yeah, that's true. Just like just <laughs> knocking on that, right? You got to teach them young, or just it's you know they're going to be soft. You know, that's how it goes. This first beer was a sizzle detector. You got you to send... I bet they'll like the smoothies. Oh, they'll love yeah, the smoothies. My, my son had a, a sip of the, uh, the mango uh, pineapple smoothie yeah. and he just said like, Dad, this is so good. I want to get this every time I come here now. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'd probably get put out of business. So, you know, let's just keep it for home. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, I see that definitely. I think that's right. I, I reckon these will probably get, this size will get more popular for the next maybe six to 12 months and then we'll see. But I thought it was interesting. The collective moved to that from the, uh, they had 500 mil stouts and they moved in bottles. I'm sorry for their stout series that are like 12%. And then they moved to, to this style this year for the first time. And I feel like I've seen more and more of, of those type of things and not even just for stouts, just like high, anything high ABV beer. So it's like, and I think who started it actually, because when you're talking about that, Max, in, uh, in the States, was probably 1050 from Oscar Blues. I think that was the first um, either big stout or barrel aged stout I'd ever seen in a can. And at first I was like, this is weird. Like, why would you, like, it almost was like everything is in a, a can and then like barley wines, sours, like big barrel aged sours, stouts and stuff are in bottles. Mm-hmm. That's just how it goes. And you put a stout like that in the can, you're like, what's happening here? This is weird. But I feel like that, started yeah, i feel like 1050 really kind of like paved the way it's true yeah right. for sure and, and and then they the funniest thing about that though they have now like i, I think they're like a leader can like the big fucking can yeah too. they're well they have a 750 <laughs> for the barrel aged one I right think is what it is. which is even funnier which has oh, gone they, they moved from this because they were like here this is all you need for one person and to like here fuck you they here's your big ass can like the american style like yeah like, i just thought that was really funny that they went from the they maybe changed the game to then just doing it anyway but um yeah the packaging formats is an interesting conversation though just overall because it's, it's one of the first times in history you know, well recent history with beer particularly with craft beer and the way things are that packaging formats have more of an impact than they used to well i think that it, even today in a an environment where we're so used to cans mm-hmm. there is something about like from a, a monetary perspective, even me who, who like I, I live and breathe this stuff. I mean, not as much as you guys, cause I don't, it's not my business, yeah. but 
in the, in the sense of like I, I'm looking at prices, I'm buying, I'm blah blah blah. But like there, you see this 750 milliliter bottle for you know, 17.99, you know, and it's barrel aged. Or like, okay, that's reasonable. But you see a can, yeah, of 500 milliliters for 9.99. You're like, fucking 9.99. <laughs> And it's cheaper than the 750. Yeah, it, it, it's like this weird psychological thing where it's like, I think it all stems to wine, maybe, right? Like mm. that bottle of wine, that seven, that big bottle of wine is worth more money than this aluminum thing or whatever. Which is so silly because I mean, at the end of the day, it's all what's inside it that matters. Yeah. But there, it yeah. really plays on your, your psyche, and I, I, I think to a certain degree, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong because you guys are producing 750s but like that's part of the the lure of it right like this beautiful big bottle and you got the cool like logo and you guys are doing the clear bottles yeah, it's like it, it's fun and it's like there's a certain aesthetic to it and the certain um value that you kind of attach to a, a big bottle and it's like an occasion thing and it's like a fun thing mm-hmm. whereas in, you throw in a can uh, it's probably cheaper for everybody, and it's yeah. more economical, environmental, blah blah blah. But there, it, it it lacks that prestige. If that makes any sense? I, I think you're yeah, right, right yeah. on that point. And Max touched on the uh, the, the Martin House cans he got about, and what they did to overcome um, that prestige kind of uh, aspect is to put two cans into one cardboard box. And it just removed the aspect that you're buying aluminum cans. Oh, that's so mm. cool, yeah. So yeah. it felt like you were buying a bottle in a box, like a bottle of scotch yeah, or like, something. Yeah, I, I missed that. Okay, I get it. That's genius, actually. At the end, I, I think the, 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 uh, you know, the customer is the, the winner of that because, you know, uh, you know, you, you, it's not cheaper for us, you know, to, to buy a custom cartoon to put two cans into it. It's kind of cost the same as put it into a bigger bottles mm. and sit it right away. But the customer, uh, you know, has the chance to taste it alone and then to share it if he wants or exactly. whatever. You can just like put, you know, two cans or uh, uh, like drink one fresh and drink one the, the year after. So mm. it's kind of, I think it's kind of a winner situation for the customer. And it's something that, you know, that it's interesting, you know, myself personally, but it's kind of a, we we have to to work that angle. But right now, you know, we are into 750 milliliters bottles, and we enjoy the fact of you know popping the bottles or, and share it. But you know, uh, that aspect is we have to consider it for the the next few months. I think. Yeah. No, definitely. I think I didn't even think about that with the three the bottles, and I think you make a good point. I forgot who said uh, maybe it was Noah that like the bottles are what makes it feel like it's valuable. And the bottle that you pulled out before, I guess if you can do a three seventy five bottle at around half the price of the seven fifty, and maybe you sell them in two packs, exactly the same concept as the cans that you got in Texas that you have one bottle, so it still feels maybe fancier than the aluminum can or whatever that. Um, you know, maybe doesn't feel as like an event or as this fancy big beer that you've waited in line to buy and shit, but then you can still have two bottles and you still feel like that. So you put one in the cellar and you're like, yeah, I'm drinking one now. And you don't have to do the splitting. 
side of it. So I think, but I guess everyone has their own drinking habits too. So it's kind of hard because you can't please everybody. But we have to overcome the fact that, you know, cans are cheaper than bottles because actually, you know, it's kind of maybe a mental thing. Because, yeah. you know, I've uh, personally, I've tasted some barrel-aged beers uh, that, you know, I just uh, I just had for like two years and I just cracked the can and the beer was perfect, you know, mm. uh, as, you know, as it should be in bottles. Yeah. But, you know, even with, you know, barrel-aged stout or that kind of stuff, uh, it's the same thing, uh, I think. But, you know, uh, we have to overcome this aspect uh, and, you know, you know, work on that, you know. Uh. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, there's a couple of quick comments. Marc-Andre Caron says, BG has stepped up their game. Mad respect. Good one. And Francis Olivier Hull says, kudos, bro, and all of you. Is that maybe related to you, Pierre? Little bro. Little bro? Yeah. Look at that. Love it. Yeah, it's, it's Danny there. Get you know. Ah, what a champion. Look at that. Supporting the family. What a beautiful thing right there. Um, I love it. What do you, uh, speaking of that, what do, how do your families all feel about all of this type of stuff? Are they pretty, like, supportive or they think it's fun? Do the kids think it's cool? Do they think it's, like, whatever because they're too young to care? They will care in a few years, but, like. Too young to care, for sure. My oldest is seven, so she talks about it a bit, but. She doesn't get quite get what's what's beer and what's not beer and uh, whatever it's all about. Okay. But um, my wife's definitely supportive. It's been seven years of in business and ten years in the uh, in the industry, and she's always been there to uh, support me. That's great. great. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it could be an interesting one for families because maybe people don't like craft beer in in the sense of where it is today isn't super old, really, as far as people's understanding of it. It feels like for the most part, like maybe we've all been in it for a while. Like I started all the beer stuff almost 10, 10 years ago in January. And as far as all of that stuff. So some people, I feel like it's only been a few years where it was like where most of the society is pretty aware of it. So it's probably kind of uh, interesting to see how families and stuff respond. How about you, Max? How does your uh, family and stuff, like how do they feel about your uh, – your beer stuff that you do, your strange beer work. Uh, I've got a newborn at home. You know, he's just only he's only um, like seven weeks old. So what does he think? What's his opinion? He likes lactose. I knew he liked that. He seemed like yeah, a lactose guy. I think he, 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 doesn't even, he doesn't even know when I'm leaving home, you know. I just came back and said, okay, I know you, good. So, You're the guy. But, okay. no, about, about my girlfriend, you know, she, she's really supportive and uh, she's uh, she she works in, uh, in uh, agricultural, you know, uh, she's an agricultural counselor. Okay. Kind of a, yeah. So she, she she really supported me. We met at you know a festival in Quebec like uh, five five years ago, something like that. And she kind of uh, she's really important to me. But uh, she's really a super supportive person, and she kind of work a different angle from uh, what I see my business on the, on the daily. Uh, you know, 
on a daily basis and it really helps me to uh, you know step up step up the game on different aspects you know uh, because being a, a brewery owner is not just like brewing beer and you know selling beer it's kind of a, you know having people working for you and developing products developing your brand uh, you know uh, sending a message to the the, the customer uh, working on so social media aspect uh, and uh, you know uh, having a, resta a restaurant too and you know giving something to customers so it's kind of a, a whole thing you know I, I like I like that you know it makes me happy on a daily basis and the COVID situation can it's kind of a, uh, a, a you know something really um, difficult but it's kind of uh, just temporary you know? and for us at, at BG and Basque General we you know we use situation to uh, you know to accelerate some decision you know it's just uh, a catalyzer to situation to uh, rebrand you know uh, bring some new stuff into our portfolio and, and that kind of stuff so this is just like a big resume of the past few weeks, a uh, few months. <laughs> like, it's good. I like that there's a positive side to all of this. Like, it's, you know, the negative, obviously, you know, you shut down, but like the positive that you're still able to produce beer, you're still able to generate excitement, people coming, you know, you're selling yeah. out almost in a day, which is crazy. Um, you know, people are, are still super interested and it's allowed you guys to be sort of creative. And I think that's a, a big testament to the whole industry i feel like a lot of breweries have done well with the pivot and being able to be like all right well we have to figure this out now and how it can work yeah. i wasn't sure early on i was like oh maybe all the hard to get beer is going to be easy to get and like nope it's harder to get now because <laughs> everyone's got nothing else to do but fucking try and chase hard to well, get beer. Masorum today yeah <laughs> sold out I think Masorum today sold out within oh my fucking minutes, god man like four or five minutes really the whole thing yeah, yeah. I, think, I think they had like three three thousand customers in like ten minutes and I was one of them but you know uh, just you know big big respect to Masorum because you know they they just you know they just blow our mind with like uh, twelve different beers yeah, and that was it was kind of a we're kind of okay. Just, just stop it. You know, I don't want to hear anymore from you know this. You guys just like twelve different fucking awesome beer, and you know they just you know sold out in like a minute uh, over uh, a lot of uh, of different beer, and they had like three fucking thousand customers in like it's crazy ten minutes. It's kind of this is awesome, you know. This yeah. is just next level. Is that inspiring you know? for you guys to see that type of uh, passion from Quebec beer drinkers? Definitely, yeah. Do you, Do you feel that it's something that's attainable for a lot of breweries, or do you think it's kind of like a a, a fluke or one in a few type of thing? There's no way to tell, but there's definitely a a, a momentum thing about this. Mm. Uh, location location goes into it too. Uh, like you, you when you see what happens in, into the states uh, with their population and what we get here in Montreal and Quebec is a small city, so we definitely get uh, lesser crowds. Yeah. But uh, what's impressive for me is where, 
think about the theorem is like the 12 years they made, there's been a wide array of years they've made uh, yeah. for the, that release, not just like one variation 12 times or something like that. So mm. it's, it's really nice to see and I'm looking forward to enjoy some of these views. Nice. Yeah, it, it was impressive to see how many like different things they had going on. They had some barrel-aged stouts, they had some mixed fermentation stuff, and then a, but on, there wasn't even that many IPAs, which was kind of surprising almost. Mm. But yeah, location is huge, right? And and, and that was kind of I, I you guys actually touched on this earlier, but that was kind of something I was thinking about as well. Like <clears throat> your release today, if you were located in a central Montreal location, I'm wondering how, how much faster you would have sold out of everything versus where you are now. And I don't know what the scene, I, I don't know enough about how the scene is in Quebec versus Montreal. But it's also this like, it's a weird thing in Montreal too, because you all, so you have like a brewery like Masuram who, who sells out 12 different beers, like an obscene amount in, in four minutes. But then you have some other like really solid breweries who just should just sits on the shelves for months too. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's like it's like this weird snowball hype effect where mm. if you get that name, then it's just like blah, it just like goes in that direction. Um, whereas in like Le Castel, like you you can go to any grocery store and buy their barrel aged sour, which you know what they're probably better than half the fucking Masorum blunts, like. There not, are so many gems on the shelves. But so like there's just like this bizarre hype thing um, that plays such a big part in it all, and I don't I don't even know how I feel about it. It's just like something to to think about more than more than anything. Mm. Sorry, I don't have a question. We do is uh, we like to taste uh, what's happening out there and. We definitely buy when we can the yeah. hype stuff, but we don't. We're not gonna uh, go way over our way to to get them because we, if it, we can get it online and just go pick it pick it up, it's fine. Move on yeah. to something else, and, and that's just fine. It's, it's more rare, and it's it's nice to see what's what's being made. Yeah, it's recent. It's right? Doing that because a lot of brewers don't, and that's I think kind of a problem too, right? Because they get so stubborn in their world, and they don't want to try anything else. They just want to like, oh, I don't have time. But like, I feel like yeah. you probably should be 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 trying what's going on around you. You know, even if you're not into like, you know, you have breweries that have want nothing to do with hazy IPAs and blah blah. blah. But even if I didn't, I think I I'd still want to see what's out there to see like what the fucking the fuss is all about right like if i think hazy ipa is dumb i still think you should be trying it periodically to be like okay i get it or i don't get it or whatever like what's going on in this scene mm. but there's a lot of brewers who, who don't they just kind of like i don't want to touch it and then they just do their own thing which is fine yeah. but uh, we're all free to make what we like to drink and what we like to offer to customers uh, but when we, one thing we did see uh, widespread when the New England IPAs first came in is, uh, in general sense, in many breweries, don't want to generalize, but that it was just, just four hops per beer and it's done. Yeah. So that's like the oversimplified yeah. way to say it, but this is how we make overburnt IPAs and just bad IPAs, bad New England IPAs. So you need to spend a lot of time into researching and understanding 
what's the point, what you're looking for, how you want to make it, or you want to make your own version of it, and then just get it uh, mastered enough that you can make it how you like it consistently and then release it to the people, to the customers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, those type of beers are actually more complex than, you know, a lot of breweries owner thing, you know, uh, as, as you said, it's not just, just like you put a lot of hops and you, you get a new IPA or you put a lot of adjuncts, you know, to that beer and it makes it good, you know. You have to think about, you know, the stability, the balance and, you know, all each ingredients react to the even you know that pastry that pastry stout you have to think about the stability of the ingredient you're putting into your beer or the intensity or what will balance it and the up with the ups it's the same thing you have to think about you know when you put it is it you know is it okay you know you have to get it out because you will get some heartburn or some you know uh Uh, grassy thing from the hops mm. if you put it like uh, to to uh, into the beer too many days uh, it's kind of, you have to uh, to get an intelligent approach and those type of beer are, are kind of beer that are like uh, you know beer of timing because you have to masterize the timing of those beer you know yeah. because you just can't put the ingredient whenever you want or whatever you have to get some timing. So yeah. oh, the, those products need a lot of attention and it's not as simple as a lot of people think. And yeah. it's really difficult to make like well-balanced and good beers because uh, so many, you know, so many things can go wrong at so many places. Yeah. Just, just difficult beers, I think. No, it's a really good point. One thing, as you were saying that, Max, the um, thing about Quebec, I was I was always complaining in the last couple of years about Quebec not having great New England IPAs, if many at all. I was always having to go to Ontario or Vermont or somewhere else to get them. And then in this year alone, Quebec is my favorite uh, region for beer because now we can get everything like on point, every style from lagers, pastry stouts, smoothies now, haze, lambics, like you name it, like everything is incredible here and something's changed in Quebec. So what made you guys want to do all these trendy styles in a province that had typically fought to sort of not do it for so long? It's a story of imports. Imports. Okay. Yeah. So, so there was some, uh, there's definitely some awesome stuff uh, that's been made here for a couple of years. But uh, Max talked about our trip to uh, Texas to see just the king. So mm-hmm. we, we just mm-hmm. see the different side of this of the, the scene that we didn't have here in Quebec. When you went to when we went to uh, Texas, we had they had a big ranch uh, with animals and uh, locally grown other own land uh, fruits and grains and stuff like that. And you don't need that in Quebec. It's so cold, so there's things you can yeah. do. Mm. Same goes for uh, the northeast of the, uh, the states where the New England style was born. So it was basically an import to Quebec. So sometimes when you go see what's, make, what's been made outside of where you live, you can learn new things, see new kind of types, and then learn how to do it and translate it into what you want to make and what you can make. Hmm. 
So, like, did you get a lot of, um, like, pushback from the community or were they all pretty, like, yeah, they were waiting for it? Like, what was the re- response when you started dropping, like, the level? And I guess I'm more spe- speaking to the, the, the quality of New England IPAs that you're doing. I don't know how long you've been doing it this well for. Noah only told me, like, I knew who you guys were a couple of years ago, but Noah was like, yo, you need to try like I think you had Zell Noah or the Easy One or whatever it was called, and you said. Well, me, it was when when was Max earlier this year. reached out to me, and uh, just when the start of the pandemic. Okay, right? so it was this year. Okay, but but even then, like I had had some BG before, and I enjoyed it. Like I was saying, Izzy was a really solid beer, but uh, I think it was when you guys kind of had the the brew pub going, and you started doing that stuff, and 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 you sent me a, a like a wide range of products. Uh, at that point, I was like, okay, I need to start really diving into this. And then I think that's when I told you about it. It took a good year, uh, to be honest, when we started Brew Pub. Uh, we spent so much energy into just the, the whole uh, restaurant aspect of things, mm-hmm. running the, the, the kitchen and the, the tap room and stuff like that, that we didn't get all that much energy into the, the brewing process down there. But after a couple, uh, half a year, maybe a year, uh, Max uh, and I, we really put some work down into uh, the actual beers what we wanted to make from that project. And then it started to, to, to go up uh, with the Remember series uh, and, and other stuff like that. It was right. maybe, let's, let's say a year. Uh, that's been really a year. For us. Because yeah. there would have been some customer education that you would have had to go through and be like, hey, why does this beer look like this? Well, it's this style and this is what it is and... You know, you would have had to probably explain to people who were newer to it. And then you've also had to let the hype boys know that, yo, like we do this shit fire. You have to make sure you come through and get this age from DG because now you guys are in that conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we do, we do have a, a strong uh, customer education uh, sense to let customers know what we make, how we make it, what's, supposed to, what's it supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have been slacking on getting what we've made known. Uh, Max Touch on how we use uh, local ingredients. Whenever we can get local grains, we do it. We don't sell it uh, on marketing because we just do it because we want to do it. So uh, it's not been a, a big, big focus for us. We just want to make what we like and into people's uh, glasses. Gotcha. I love it, and I think that's, that's coming back to what you both were saying earlier. Like. The best brewery out of all that, you know, we've done a, probably somewhere between 250 and 300 podcasts. Um, the best beers are always the ones that the brewers love to drink. And you guys said that earlier. You're making what you love to drink. And I think that's the most important thing you can ever do is just make whatever the hell you want to drink because it's going to be fire. And that's the best way. When I find that when, when people sort of try, if you try a new style that you don't care about, you're doing it because, oh, okay, they want it. No, uh, no, can do that you know yeah. if, if you're doing something you you have to you know to take it on yourself and you know you have to drive the thing uh, you have to do it well you know you can do it backward because it's it, because it's trendy you know because yeah. the customer is not, the customer is not a stupid person you know you know yeah as we said before you know it's it's uh, flavor driven you know driven because you know, you have to do it well. If you do, you know, a New England IPA, you have to go it hundred and you know, hundred yes. percent New England IPA. And if you do a pasture style, you have to do it, uh, you know, 
110% because, you know, you can just, you know, go shortcuts on those type of beer, you know. Even the next style, which I don't know what will be, you know, because the market is evolving so fast, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, you, if if you want to do it, you can do it backward. You know, you have to do it a hundred percent. And this is why, you know, uh, we begin to do in like smoothie IPA and uh, smoothie sour, and we do like four in a row in four weeks at low, uh, you know, at low volumes, but. Every time, you know, it was going like uh, better and better, better and better and better. And, you know, the, the standards are not going down, you know, they're just yeah. going up every time. I love that. I had a quick question on this. Is this, did, when did this beer come out? Today. Today. I just checked into it on Untapped before and I was the first check-in on this one. So I was yeah, like, yeah, I thought it might have come actually, out. Beat your motherfuckers. This is exclusive, bro. Exclusive. Get on this level. Um, I want to shout this out. This guy too. Yeah. No? Yeah. Oh, this, this one's not out either? No, tomorrow, man. Oh, shit. Like, it was on sale today and pick up tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. I thought it was all pick up today. Well, I feel even more special. Um, Montreal yeah. Beer Page left a, a bunch of comments. Sorry, no, what you saying? No, yeah. Was, yeah, no, go. I'm special. That's what we say. We are all special. Uh, Montreal Beer Page, shouts to you, man. You came through last week as well. You're a legend. He said, and agreeing, Calculon, one of the best beers of the year. Love your barrel aged stuff. Uh, he said, Shed, Funky Pom, Series, Million, Calculon, Le Stout Russe, Le Scotch Ales, and that emoji. The nice. people love your shit, boys. Old school stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's a word there that you know we kind of have uh, you know uh, something weird about when we hear you know the shed word you know but it it, it began there you know the, the shed was kind of the the one of the first barrel aged you know, beer we made with like what like twelve different you know bread yeast wow. <laughs> Something like that. It was kind of, I wasn't even there, but it, you know, this beer evolved so much over time, but it was kind of a, one of the first really experience with wide yeast and the kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we have a special feeling about this shit. Uh, it's called the so shit? Yeah, with the chest. Sometimes positive and sometimes negative, but you know, kind of a mixed feeling. Yes. And then Jamie Weber just says, Congratulations, BG. I guess because you're fire and all the shit you're making is fire. I think they're just yeah. congratulating you on being amazing. Oh, and Montreal yeah. Beer Pay says, Bretty as fuck in all caps. <laughs> yeah, that show was really just. Uh, 12 different mean, types of bread? <laughs> That's amazing. Are there even 12 different types of bread? Yeah. I had no idea that there was that many uh, bread. Oh, he said, uh, tastes like the back of a shed. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah, I'd lick and a shed. Are, I think, I think, uh, was it, was it? No, no, was it? Uh, so the, the, uh, we 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 varied the, the the strains we used for Lachelle, but one of the time there was a blend from a, a lab that was called All the Breaths. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blend. All the frets. That's what we want, right? All of them. All of them. I had no idea there was more than like, I thought it was just Britannomyces and there's just one shit and that, that is what it is, but there's multiple varieties. It's pretty cool. Oh, there's like Lambicus and yeah, there's a bunch. Okay. I didn't know there was that many, but I know there are different strains. There's more, much more. So it's like taxonomy thing, but there's like, I think, I don't want to get out of uh, my knowledge with five types, uh, general type of breaths. And then between them, there's like strains, we call them. And oh. each one strain can be derived into more strains because of evolution and what, yeah. where, where it came from. So it can vary a great. Same goes for yeast. That's crazy. Yeah, like Lambicus and, you know, Anomalous and that kind of stuff are kind of, uh, you know, domestic wild yeast. Yeah. <laughs> and between that, there are other, you know, strains and substrains, like I've not. Right. And I, I think that there's something we should talk about, you know, uh, right now we, we focus more on, uh, you know, BG, uh, ABG, Brasserie Urbaine. And it's part of the, you know, the, 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 the rebranding thing and, you know, the, the, the new portfolio of products because uh, BG is Brasserie Générale, yeah, but uh, BG Brasserie Band is kind of, uh, you know, the, 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 the next direction we're taking. Mm. And it's like BG Zut and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, we 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 really really work hard on you know uh, the pa- the past few months on the rebranding thing on the new logo and that kind of stuff and we're still you know between the two but you know in the next year we're gonna focus more on BG Brasserie Urbaine than Brasserie Générale you know okay uh, what's the difference Max do you guys want to talk through that like what would be like as far as the consumer side, so if you see a B, like this one here, the BG Brasserie Urbaine, I don't know if you can see that. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Right. If you see that, does that what does that mean versus seeing Brasserie Generale as far as your products? Like, how are you differentiating that? I mean, uh, for us, BG Brasserie Urbaine is kind of a, a stamp, a quality stamp. You know. Okay. Uh, if there there is the the BG Brasserie Urbaine stamp on it. It's because, you know, we like that beer and we believe in that beer. And, you know, it's kind of a, a, a kind of have our new approach on it. Mm-hmm. So even with the, you know, the, the new pack of, uh, of uh, Sirpopov and Nikolai and that kind of stuff, it's because we believe in those products. Mm-hmm. And those products have the BG Brasser Band logo because we believe in those products. And... The more and more it's going to be, um, the less different cues uh, they're going to be on, you know, shelf in, in convenience stores or in groceries. And it's going to be more focused on Beige Brasserie Urbaine, mm. uh, which is uh, mm. focused, uh, you know, sour ale, blending stock, <clears throat> nice salt, sweet salt stuff. Um, less, you know, Hanami and uh, Saint Gervais Puer and that kind of stuff. You know, uh, they they're just gonna be uh, over time. I think they're gonna be less produced and even disappear. You know, interesting. So that that would mean like the the Hefeweizen, all those kind of like standard, for lack of another term, yeah. beers will probably be phased out slowly for to favor. You know, stuff like this, stuff like this, all the things you're just talking about. Is that 
what I'm gathering yeah. now. Okay. And and the, and the Luvais and the Kamem the Kamem clean are going to be part of the the BG Brasserie Urban thing, you know. Hmm. Uh, if it's going to part of if you want to drink, uh, you know, uh, easy drinkable beers, it's going to be all our beer, you know. Uh, after that, we're going to go through uh, Swiss styles, pastry styles, uh, you know, IPAs and smoothies and, you know, that, that kind of stuff that we like to do. Mm -hmm. But we always have to, uh, you know, to get, a, you know, a, an easy drinking base. So coming clean and Lupes are going to be part of it. Okay. And that's all like the lagers and all that type of stuff that are really like approachable but also fits thematically within that because I guess lagers now luckily are within that trendy kind of banner. Like they go well with haze, yeah. with pastry stouts, with smoothies and kettle sours and stuff. Okay. Okay. I like that. I mean, that, that seems to, from what I've seen, cause I never really got to try any of those other sort of standard brands that you guys had out. I think I still have a can of Flor the Floriella. It was sent to me years ago. Like, oh no, like last year. Or early this year from something. And it was just like one of those, like, uh, what is it? Is it Hefeweizen or what is it? What style is it? So a classic with beer, I think. Yeah. Okay, with beer. beer. With beer uh, with chamomile and, uh, and citrus. Okay. Uh, lemon. Okay, perfect. It was just one of those styles that, I, like, I'm just it's not really my thing. So it was a, with, like, a restaurant thing sent it to me with some other stuff. And that was the first thing I probably had from you guys. And I didn't drink it. I think it's still in the fridge there. But that's how I was sort of familiar. And then that wasn't too long before Noah was telling me about you guys as well. And then I've sort of watched it. So I've only really like been paying attention this early, you know, early part of the pandemic since you guys have sort of changed into this. So I feel like that you've really, it seems like now like the, your, your, your base, your customer base, understand where you're going. They get the, they get the vibe. I feel like people are pretty well aware that your haze is like top tier type of stuff, like really up there in the province and like the, the beers that you're doing are exciting and that you're in like that conversation of like, oh, Brasserie General is doing a drop. We need to get that shit type of thing. Like, is it coming to Montreal? Like whenever I would post about it, there'd be always people like, can I get this Montreal? Like people are pretty amped. So I feel like you guys have done a very good job of taking it from that, you know, older sort of style and then basically educating your consumers locally and then to distributing throughout Quebec, at least to here and probably up to Gatineau and stuff like that and letting people know that, hey, man, this is what we're doing and, and really moving the needle in that way, which is great. So you're in a really good position, it seems like. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 uh, so, so like Max said, it's like it's been a, an ongoing process from like seven years ago when we opened the Master <clears throat> General in the first place and there's been a, a huge evolution from the first beers we made in the uh, in the three, four, 41 ml bottles, like the, the classic bottle from uh, big breweries. Yeah, yeah. We just made like four beers and then we changed, we changed uh, type of bottles and styles of beers and then we went to different, we, we've been like switching a lot in, in the first four years. Uh, it already uh, took a more uh, uh, bigger direction when Max joined the, the team uh, back in 2018. Uh, with the brew pub and, uh, and everything in this world. That's where we started really to focus on what we wanted to make and how we could make it work uh, in on, uh, on the business scale and make it, have it make sense. Also. Right. 
and and this sort of change was part of that business change as well. Like this this change in direction of the beers was part of that. Like, all right, we're we're moving in this direction now. Yeah, and also branding too. Like mm. like Max said, it's uh, it's what Beachy represents for us is uh, it's anything that goes uh, on on focus with how we see beer, how we want to drink beer, and how we want to present the beers to our customers. Mm. This is whenever you see the BG Bastille Ben uh, stamp, this is what it means. Uh, the older beers are slowly uh, disappearing and just going out of production or being scaled into a new brand. So, uh, Right. I like that. I'm- do, you, do you worry at all about losing um, the customers that like those older beers? Or it's more a devil's advocate question. It's, it's, a, it's a concern, but part of the direction we took is uh, we want to make what we like to make, and we want people to, to, we want to offer that to people. So to make it simple, uh, if, you like it, if you like us, follow us. Yeah. So okay. That makes sense. I wonder if, and that's a, that's a great question, Noah, because I wonder if the, because of the branding, and the branding is so strong as far as like when I look at this beer, there's no way I look at it, this beer and think it's something pedestrian. Like this is, I look at this, I'm like, oh, this is something here. What's up with this? Oh, oh, it's a triple IPA with cry off. Of course it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like this branding really speaks to what's in the can. And that goes for all the, the newer stuff. So like, I feel like it, it makes sense that you've, you've made a very conscious decision to, to go like, like hard at this this new direction, and I respect that because if that's what you guys are like, this is what this is what I want to drink. Well, fuck yeah, then you make that shit. And I feel like there'll be other things that will come in, like you were saying, the clean uh, the cleaner beers, the lagers, and there might be you know, like Max, you're saying you like the Hefeweizens. Like maybe you make a Hefeweizen still that could appease those people who like the wit or liked any of those sort of earlier beers that might have lasted. You know, so maybe those favorites might not be here but there'll be something that's like not too dissimilar or they'll maybe try your ipas and be like oh my god this is amazing what is this all about and then you know grow their palates as well so hopefully that's really the direction mm-hmm. the only oh go on, yeah tell me yes so uh, the re- rebranding was a big part of our you know our process in the past few months and it was you know uh, big part of <clears throat> what we, we wanted to, uh, you know, attack. So it was an angle situation where we had a branding that represent different years of the brewery. So we, we wanted to uh, uniformize, you know, uh, the brewery signature, mm-hmm. but we we wanted to to make it, you know, look like what uh, we what we are, what we want to do. And you know, Romain Lazare is kind of a the guy we just discovered during you know the the, the COVID back in uh, you know uh, in March, I think. So it's kind of you know it was a, it was a, a good match for us because Romain is kind of the person we want to do uh, you know uh, branding with it, label with it, uh, him. So. It's kind of a big part because, uh, as, you, as you know, you know, when you go to a grocery store or a beer store, you know, you add so many beers, so many different beers. And when, when 
when you look at the BG store, you know, you, you had like different era of the beers. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you want to uniformize it with the funky, you know, a fucking brand, uh, a funky branding that, you know, represent <laughs> what we want. So that's right. it. No, and that makes sense. And it's kind of it, it and, and it seems that you're 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 doing it gradually with the ultimate goal of having it ultimately all uniform in, mm. in one one place. Yeah. But but we have an history, so this is the thing yeah. with, with Beijing. We we had an history, we have we have a background, so this is the thing. We are not new. We just renew ourselves, but we are not new. So this yeah. is mm. the big difference. I think that's exciting though. I think that's cool that, and I really respect the uh, dedication to this. You're like, oh, we're going, we're going all the way with this because it's, it's, it really shows that you really believe in it. If everything's going to go towards this, and that you know, as opposed, you're not following trends. You're doing what you want. If what you happen to want to do happens to align with the with the things that are currently trendy or whatever, like you're doing them extremely well. Then that's what you're going to do, as opposed to like what we were saying before, like. Fine, or do a New England, uh, and it's like something is doesn't really hit any spots. Um, yeah. I also feel like the people who would be maybe hanging on to the older beers might not, you know, like typically from from other breweries I've spoken to, those type of individuals typically would be the older folks, maybe who are a little more traditional, a little bit less open to trying something new and things like that. And if that's you know, if if those folks don't stick around, that's okay because you're going to get a lot more people with these newer styles than you probably would if you sort of kept, you know, did the older stuff around. I would, I would guess anyway, maybe I'm wrong, but there's, I'm sure there's a market for that. That's valuable, but I feel like there's, I don't know. I don't know how experimental those folks are, how much they're going to try, you know, are they going to be coming to the pub and drink six pints of wit? Like, I don't know what that, how that sort of goes, you know, like they're not going to line up to buy four packs of wit type of shit. Yeah, that's 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 the point, and uh, you don't. We're such a, a drop in the market. Yeah. Uh, there's like eighty-five to ninety percent of the beer that's drink that's uh, that's macro beer, and yeah. that, mm. that's fine. And one of the things we decided, like, but yeah, a year and a half ago, is that instead of uh, constantly expanding the factory, renting new space, bringing more equipment to grow, we just felt like we'll make what we want to make. We'll have fun doing it, and. And we can't sustain uh, uh, an exponential, exponential growth on that model. So we just decided to stop the, the physical growth of the, the factory and just uh, ground down, focus on what we had, what we wanted to make, how we could do it in that space and with whatever equipment we had at that point. And just release the pressure of making more and more beer to keep the, the beer paid. So this gives us the the opportunity to really have fun doing what we like to do and translate that, that passion to the customers. Mm. I love that. It's amazing. Yeah. And I guess if that results in a, in a need to expand, then so be it. Then you, then you figure it out. But rather than force that expansion, I guess I, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because I guess if you're like, all right, well, we need to try and like make these four or six like, you know, traditional skews for these people. Then we're going to try and pump this stuff out, blah, blah, blah. It probably just becomes stressful and not even fun anymore. And like, you know. Yeah. That's one thing. It's also if, if uh, from, if you take a screenshot of right now in the market, uh, or if you've seen in Quebec, uh, province, 
and you take every single brewery there and you give them a 25-50% growth over time, at some point there's going to be lack of customers and the yeah. market is going to just crumble. So we just figured like we don't want to do that, so we don't need we don't want to put ourselves in a position that will force us to go into that direction. Mm. Instead, go opposite way or uh, consolidate what we have and what we our position that we've built and what we like to make. That makes a lot of sense. I like that a lot. Do you guys have any specific goals then for maybe next year or for going forward? Like, do you have anything you're trying to achieve or things you're trying to do? Uh, crispy boys and uh, like uh, more drinkable stuff is going to be a, a part of the uh, next year. Also, uh, making a few more IPAs and just getting our portfolio a bit broader. And uh, uh, we, we personally feel like we have a lot of work to do on the IPAs. Uh, so we're going to focus on that too. Okay. Okay. I like, I like that direction. I mean, look, I really feel like your stuff is like the first one I think I had was, uh, when I visited the pub, I, Oh, the first one I tried was, um, I like big hops. That was fucking insane. Like I still think even to this day, it's my favorite one. And then I think I left with a can of the Zell and I drank that up in gas Bay and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is fantastic. And then when you did the seventh anniversary, the, the Revo band, I had the numbers, the number seven. Yeah. Yeah. The number seven. I was like, yo, that shit. Like I've been just extremely impressed with the haze. And if you guys are still going to tweak that and you know, whatever that you change, I mean, if I really genuinely feel like they were already fantastic. So if you're going to keep baking better, fuck man, I'm here for it. I love that. Uh, I'm excited. Word. Yeah. I'm excited for the crispies and stuff as well. So, um, we're sitting at just after three hours. How are we feeling boys? Um, Feeling good? I feel like we got everything in. I think so. Yeah, this was this was really good. I'm really glad because we. I feel like uh, we got a lot of uh, the backstory, all the info and stuff, and it was good to finally sit down and talk to you guys in yeah, a long. This is my glove uh, of smoothie that you know just been the, the next the, the past two hours. It's <laughs> fucking fucking thick, man. Look at it. <laughs> I think I'm gonna hit it. I'm gonna jump into that tomorrow. Ooh, I might even do that. That's tomorrow my, morning my, or my Saturday. Oh yeah, we'll see how thumbnail. tomorrow morning goes. Uh, we we gotta take the thumbnail. I almost forgot. I almost oh yeah. Normally Noah reminds me, but Tiff reminded me this time. I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, don't forget this time. Don't forget. So hold up, maybe a can or uh, something. Or all the things. I've got these two here. Oh, let me put the double dip so you can see that. Yeah, yeah, get that Oreo in there. Yeah, fuck yeah, that Oreo. Here we go, here. Yeah, hold it. There we go. There you go. Ready? Oh, you gorgeous motherfuckers. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, that is stunning. I'm sending that to all your mums for Christmas. Um, boys... Seriously, it's a genuine pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate uh, being able to actually uh, kick it with you guys and, and uh, you know get all the info. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Where can everybody find Brasserie General online and offline? Online on a board, our uh, BG. Uh, Max, can you take it? <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of uh, difficult, but uh, for the pub, it's uh, bg18.beer. Uh, and uh, for the brewery, you know, it's kind of uh, brasseriegeneral.com. Instagram? Uh, Instagram? Just because that, because we have to, to split the, the portfolio into two different things, okay. uh, two different approach. 
so BrasserieGeneral.com and for the pub release it's kind of a bg18.beer okay what about okay. Instagram we we have one yeah, yeah you got one for each <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we have two you have two on Instagram bg18e if, if you're like keeping in touch with our beers and what's coming and what's happening just follow both our pages so we do have a BG for the pub, the brew pub, and we have Brasserie General for the factory. Yes. Uh, both pages are up to date. When we release, we do uh, online sales or we do distribution of uh, students' use. It's always posted on those platforms. It's the best way to keep in touch. And uh, for physical locations, uh, we any uh, fairly uh, big uh, specialty stores for craft beer, we're going to be there. Uh, definitely the um, the more accessible stuff and the release stuff you might just want to call or come often in and when they get a case or two they're just going to be there okay i love it yeah all your instagram and facebook pages are, are really up to date with what's happening it's been uh, really good with all the releases and stuff so definitely go follow them uh noah jeffrey forrest where can everyone find you mate beerism.ca beerism on facebook beerism.ca on instagram and uh, yeah, yeah, that's about it. I'd like to uh, so put simple. a it's simple. I'd like to put a suggestion out to every Quebec brewery. Can you just get a Twitter account so I can tag you? Like, you don't even have to use it. You can use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are going to work that angle, but okay. you know, Instagram, Facebook, that kind of stuff. Kind of. Because you could just like you I'm can consuming. <laughs> I'm kind of in charge of it plus the brewery and that kind of stuff. But it's a lot. Twitter is kind of a, yeah, I, yeah. We have to get there. Okay, know? just I want to be able to tag breweries, and I find that like I was telling the boys the other day, like there's like seventy percent of Quebec breweries don't even have an account, even if you don't use it. Like I can't tag anybody, and I feel like it's missed opportunities because <laughs> Quebec is on Facebook real heavy, and they're on Instagram pretty well but they're not on Twitter and say Ontario people are really strong on Twitter. So if I have an Ontario base and they're seeing what I'm posting and they, they could go follow you. Oh, that looks good. Let me go follow. Oh, they don't have one. I have to write to brass. You know what I'm saying? Missed opportunities. It's okay. Little tip for you. Think about it in the new year. Don't stress yourself. You guys are busy. You're making Oreos. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) <laughs> stick around at the end of this and we'll we'll say goodbye properly but guys thank you all very much this was a, a genuine pleasure thanks so much let's absolutely do it again next year as well when things things are changing let's you know whenever you guys want to do some shit please let us know let's do it up this is this is great um everybody if you enjoyed the episode smash the thumbs up hit subscribe below hit the notification bell so you know when the new new drops follow us on social media at beer was podcast and check out the long form audio so you can hear extraordinarily attractive gentlemen like these three blokes right here talk about craft beer Every week, we'll be back tomorrow evening, I think at 8 p.m., another podcast. What's it's tomorrow? A, uh, Nickelbrook from uh, Burlington, Ontario. <laughs> Am I on that? No, you're not on that one because you don't know them, no. I guess. Next week, I think you're back on again, aren't you? I got I got two yeah, nights yeah. with you next, next week. I know about Next year, I got two things with you. Basically, me and Noah are married at this point, which is all the time. Uh, you know. babies. Yeah, it's, you know, that's what we're doing, trying to catch up to everyone else. Just be a baby. Um, <laughs> all right, y'all. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace.